Nixus Nixes Ratchet and Clank PS5 exclusivity. And Bungie controls Faction's destiny? Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett, back and alongside me doing his due diligence, as always, is one Mr. Chris Figgs. Chris, how you doing? Hey, bud. Man, you're still in the Texas. I can see the gold, the reflection from the gold star hitting your face right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Do you smell the oil in the air? No, but I taste <laughs> the dirt in the water. Am I crazy? The Texas water tastes like shit. Uh, man, the, the craziest thing about Texas, anytime someone asks me about it, is that even though I'm like three blocks from Texas, uh, even the part of Texas that we're in mm. is not it's not on Texas power grid. Their water is I mean, it's everything just kind of is separate from the majority of Texas, even though we're in Texas. Yeah, I've had so to like I no go buy <laughs> bottles of water because I'll tr- I'll drink it and I'm like this. I, I can't take this. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of a bougie in that I do not drink tap water from anywhere. Dude, it's even like where I work. If it's well water, absolutely. Where I work, I'll go to the little thing and like I'll take water and I'm like, I can't drink this. But then like it's clearly like I'm from fucking, I'm from up north. I'm rich and powerful, whatever people think about Connecticut. But people drink it here like it's like oh i'm bringing four waters to these people and i'm like fucking why <laughs> yeah i'm pretty picky on water so like the water we do at home all goes mm-hmm. through a, a filter like yeah. you know it sits in the filter for a while absolutely i think the bougiest <laughs> I thing i do is i love going to gas stations and just picking buying expensive water oh dude like just uh, seeing what it's what the difference is and there's never a difference it all tastes like water yeah, Fuji water is incredible though. And yeah. it's not a taste thing. It's hard to describe. Fuji water tastes like all other water, but mm-hmm. it feels different. It feels like soft water. And I t- I tried to describe that to someone. I was like, it feels like you're drinking cotton if cotton was not drying your mouth out. And I can't really describe it better than that. But I was like, it tastes like water. I mean, you know, it doesn't taste notably different at all. It's just a texture thing. Yeah. It's crisp. It's not crisp, really. Crisp. It's soft. That's the it's the best way to describe it. Uh, well, Chris, crisp. in a week full of a bunch of interesting pieces of news, some big stuff happening at PlayStation. Really, I got to say, we had so much. We were ripe for the picking with all the wordplay we could have introduced into <laughs> our cold open uh, that it was really hard to land on the two that we did. But it's okay, guys. We're going to be talking about how Hot Wheels is coming back to a console near you. Thank me later. I know. Mm. Uh, we're gonna be talking about days of play and when it comes around june's ps plus uh games uh as well as the q light and some of the rumors that are coming around about its battery life and more but before we get into all of that and the juiciest one of all involving bungee factions and online people who are angry we'll talk about that in a bit um we are going to start this show off in the time-honored tradition of checking in on what we've been playing, what we've been doing. And Chris, as always, I will defer to you first and foremost. Oh. What have you been playing? Let these people know. The only game I do know is one game. One game. You know two games, but I don't think we talked about the completion, the platinuming of classic PSP game Pursuit Force which was awesome. I had so much fun with that game. 
fantastic game. Yeah, it was really good. I was surprised because yeah. I was just going through the store and I was like, this looks fucking insane and dumb and I want to play it. I did not expect good things. <laughs> and then 15 hours later, I got the platinum. So so had you never heard of Pursuit Forest up until that point? No, not at all. I was literally well, just going through the, you, score, the store. There is a sequel that I'm hoping makes its way. I also a PSP does. game. Uh, but yes, Big Big Studios is, an, is a wonderful developer. Um, yeah. Actually, uh, they did a shortly after <clears> the <throat> follow-up to the, the sequel to Pursuit Force, they did the PSP version, technically PSP, PS2 version of MotorStorm Arctic Edge. So it was like mm-hmm. a MotorStorm entry for PSP, and it's a great game. Yeah. So they were a consistently good developer that Little Deviance was their PS Vita game. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a time where pretty much anything that you did wrong, Sony put you down. Yeah. Just took you to the back. <laughs> <laughs> Can't race no more, fella. Zipper? <laughs> the PSN died the week of your game and it sold like crap? You're dead. You're gone. Your yeah, fault. but we but we want to make sure that we get a Vita launch title out of you first. <laughs> like, right, absolutely. Do this in yeah. two weeks and then come back and then you're done. Yeah, it's it's really interesting how many studios closure was right after a launch title for a piece of hardware. Uh, Gorilla Cambridge closed shortly after uh, Riggs came out for PS One. Yeah, no, Killzone wasn't the thing that killed them, even (laughs) though you could argue putting them on Killzone, you know, a a game on a handheld that you poorly supported and refused to price reasonably and have crazy Mm -hmm. memory sticks for. Like, don't wrong, I adore the Vita, but I am no stranger to its multitude (laughs) of issues, um, at least in what Sony did. But yeah, putting them on Killzone, and which probably didn't sell to what Sony wanted. I can't say that for sure. But then moving them onto Rigs and being like, guys, your games aren't selling enough. Bruh, Rigs is the launch PSVR title for right. a piece of hardware that is <laughs> new in a market that's pretty nascent. And that is a pretty hard market to get out to people. Like, what the fuck do you want from me? But it's okay. Mm. I was hoping Sony were past their days of closing every studio. But as we see... Uh, the boys is back. And I know they just they just closed down all of Japan. Can you believe that? Japan just mm. closed. They owned it. <laughs> all um, of it. Yeah. Just, goodbye. <laughs> so the other game I've been playing is a an all time classic in Bioshock Infinite. Game is uh, phenomenal. How and, long has it been since you last played? Um, the last time I played it was on Xbox 360. Last time I played it was at launch. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, it's great. Like I, I'm blown away that how much better it is than I remember it. Yeah. Like genuinely fun, genuinely scary, um, incredible story, incredible world building. Um, like I talked, to, I about talked about it a ending? lot in the Discord. Dude, the ending, holy shit! Like, there's some stuff. Like I want to talk about the ending at some point, but we can't do it here. You know? Um, yeah. But awesome ending. The uh, I talked about it in the Discord, but there's that scary ass part with the boys of silence, and that was fucking terrifying. And then there's the yeah. jump scare at the end of it that made me shit my pants. And I'm in this hotel yeah. room at like 11:30 at night, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you hit the button, you turn around, and there's one just right behind you. Oh, terrifying! What I 
what I love about that game is that Bioshock 1 was very moody and had moments of feeling horror-focused. Mm-hmm. And I think it's genuinely scary in some areas as well. But when you look at <coughs> Infinite and what Infinite is when you're in, uh, you know, what is it, New Columbia or whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, but regardless, it's when you're in Colombia and you're going through and you just see the open clouds and the sunshine everywhere, which is in such stark contrast to the first title, that the first thing that comes to your mind is not, yeah, this game's going to terrify the shit out of me. And no. yet there are multiple pretty creepy moments, which yeah. I think really that game does a really good job of juxtaposing those two things. And I also mm. like how the game gets... See, it gets darker and darker and darker yeah. with its actual outside light as and its tone as you continue to play through the game. Yep. It's an there incredible was, game. There's one scene, I won't spoil like what happens, but your Elizabeth does a thing and then people have a reaction to that thing and their reaction to that thing fucked me up. I was like, that is <laughs> fucked up. And this is really, really fucked up and I don't like this, but it's really cool. What's crazy is I played that game once and only once and I remember it very well. I think there's something about games that are... That game is so stylistic. It's so odd in its choice and very <laughs> few games have even done something like it since then that it sticks around kind of in the back of your mind forever. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't sit there and often think about Infinite being great, but once someone else starts talking about it and I start remembering parts of the game, I'm like, yeah. dude, that game was... And and it's really surprising to me how much of the game I remember because it is it is mm-hmm. genuine. It's an all-time classic. It truly Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, great game. All right. Well, cool. Speaking of Platinums, I got the PS4 Platinum of Tribes of Midgard. And now for anyone else who's played Tribes of Midgard or is playing it, um, I could tell you, you can be smart and just download the PS4 version and log on and pop the Platinum right after you pop the PS5 Platinum. <laughs> Instead, I waited a year and a, however many months to start playing the PS4 version and have to re-get to max seasonal level to pop this trophy. But the upside is is that we're doing a trophy competition. So right now, it's beneficial <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't auto-pop it. Uh, I didn't know you could, but mm. apparently you can. So, great game. And I finally started Star Wars Jedi Survivor. And um, i got to tell you, I have a lot to say. I think the game's good. Yeah, from what I've played so far, uh, I think it's it builds upon the first one in mostly great ways. There's some frustrations I have with uh, platforming ideas that they have not really lining out with the way they design the game and controls and camera. And, but for the most part, I like a lot of the additions. I think the platforming is much more engaging and fun than the first game. Combat, much the same. A lot of really cool additions, even things that I don't necessarily know how I feel about, like the uh, like the. <clears throat> cross guard you know the, the the hilted saber which i have some questions about its you know usability i've never claimed it didn't look cool when kylo ren used it it definitely looks cool <laughs> but that's in this game but as the way that it plays it's actually incredible in terms of what it does to offer up gameplay but there's a lot more conversation that comes from that uh, now that i'm playing it and waited until the the fifth patch right came out uh, I'm playing at 60 frames per second, so performance mode is definitely the version of the game that seems to have the most issues. I have had the game uh, crash on me. I've had the game freeze on a visual aspect, but then 
I could move around and feel the haptics of the controller telling me I was moving. I could hear the noises that were going on, uh, but I couldn't do anything. So I had to restart the game. After I restarted the game, uh, tried loading my save. It froze on the load. Restarted the game again. It finally came in. I turned on from that play session. I played a bit. Turned on today at lunch to play. And the sound was completely gone. And I couldn't get it to come back without exiting the game and coming back in. Um, It's very buggy still. And it's very performance choppy. I've had a lot of issues with the cutscenes where they should have the most control about what's in frame and being able to keep it. And I think what it comes down to is that, you know, people go, well, play it in 30 frames per second. Well, if that's the case, I, I got to really say, I'm playing the game in a way that they deigned fit to play. But oftentimes it's not really fit to play. It kind of depends on where you are. I'm dealing with it. And since I started in 60, I don't really want to go back to 30. Um, but I really hope that the success of Tears of the Kingdom and hopefully the success of Final Fantasy 16, two games that have been done and completed for a year and waited for a full year to actually come out. They just spent a year polishing uh, to the point where Final Fantasy 16 launches without a day one update. Think about that. Think about how rare that is in modern time. Think about what that means for the preservation of the game in the future. There will be a mostly bug-free version of the game on disc in perpetuity, regardless of whether Sony, Sony servers go down. If you have a PlayStation 5 and that disc, you are good to go. Um, so when I look at all those things, that's really frustrating and I really wish that they would have decided to wait a little bit longer because here we are. I started exactly a month after release and I'm still having massive issues. Uh, not enough to pull me out of it and I still think the game is very rewarding and compelling. But it brings me to a second point in where I was thinking about this today because of the Hot Wheels announcement. Um, but I was already thinking about it before that. I don't you know, people always talk about photorealistic graphics being the thing that is pushing gaming out so far. And I don't think it is. Nope. Uh, and I haven't thought, I've thought this before, but really playing Jedi, I think, brings a big point to it. The game, in many ways, is built off of the foundation of the first game, which was a great game, solid game. I really enjoyed it. I don't see four years here and i think that when you look at what the difference between uncharted 2 to uncharted 3 or uncharted 1 to uncharted 2 is and when we were seeing these games come out with higher and higher graphical fidelity with uh you know in in a two-year period i think what's obvious is something i've been struggling with games this year in general uh with is size and scope I don't know that the size of this game has benefited it in any way. I don't think it's necessarily hurt it, though you could argue that maybe it hurt the ability to test for all these bugs and make sure that the game runs as well as it should. Um, But I... It's weird because when you look at a game like Hot Wheels getting a sequel in two years and doing a lot to change the environments the terrain mechanics and it's a racing game. And I do understand that, but you're seeing a, you're seeing a similar idea of what sequels used to be. Let's iterate upon this. And you're seeing it in two years. And we're only not seeing that in games that are choosing to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And we got to have bigger worlds and bigger worlds. And I, at what point does the size of the world versus the quality that it might be able to bring 
when does that become like a, the balance tips out and it's like no longer is making the world that much bigger going to be worth it in any noticeable capacity? What do you kind of think on that, Chris? I, I mean, I've been kind of a proponent of the fact that it doesn't matter. That kind of stuff doesn't matter. It's just how well the game plays. And I think in a lot of ways, the most important part of video games now is either you need to have elite gameplay or you need to have an elite story. And if you can marry both of them, your game is incredible. Right? Sure. Weird, weird thing here. But in baseball, there's a player who is a great pitcher and he's a great hitter. Top of the class in both. No other players are like that, right? He's, but he's not the best at either one. But he's the best player in the league because he's great at both, right? And I think that's the same thing in games, right? Zelda, and I, please don't come at me. Zelda story is I haven't whatever. played Tears of the Kingdom, not so you. I can't. Not you. Oh, okay. <laughs> just in general. Yeah. Zelda's story is whatever. But the gameplay is phenomenal, right? The gameplay is what carries Zelda. So you can look past 30 FPS, which quite frankly, is not noticeable. You can look past playing it on the shitty Switch. You can look past that stuff because it's so much fun to play. You can mm-hmm. look at a game, I don't know, like what game would you say has a great story, but the rest of it's kind of kind of mid? Alpha Protocol has a fun story. You know, Bioshock 2, good good one, even though I love Bioshock 2. Um, I guess that's I think a good is- example for the way people talked about, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but I've heard this sentiment a lot, who knows how true it is on a grand scale, general audience scale, but um, people thought that way about The Last of Us 1. They thought the gameplay was just okay, just serviceable, but the story made you want to continue playing the gameplay because the story was so top-notch. Yeah, I mean, I would actually kind of agree with that, right? Like, you play The Last of Us and you're like, it's whatever to play, but that story is awesome. That's kind of why like, I was so excited for The Last of Us remake. The point where I'm like, Brett, are you buying this shit or should I do it? And I never played it because I was like, I just kind of don't want to play it. You know, I saw the opening scene and I got sad again. And then I was like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want to play this. You know, I want to see it. And But like, it kind of goes to what I'm saying, where if you could have both, if The Last of Us could play like... I don't know, God of War. And then we're like, okay, this is the greatest game of all time. But no game really does that. So I think we're just here looking at, you know, we got to look at individual things here. I hope that answered yeah. the question. I kind of went on a whole thing, but I, I kind of get where you're coming from. I, I mean, my big thing is in, in, uh, applying that to Survivor. I think Survivor does a lot of things impeccably well. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't. I, I don't the the exploration is not bad. I could even go as far as say it's good, but is it good enough to focus on in detriment to the rest of the game mm-hmm. in terms of making dev times longer and making bugs more prevalent and harder to pull out and check for? And I, I don't know. It's a I I think Star Wars Jedi is a really good game, but I could see this game being put out two years after the first one came out with probably the same gameplay focuses and Mm -hmm. give me a more narrow game. And I personally think I could enjoy it more. So this is a personal preference thing, but I just think that the conversation really needs to shift away from saying that 
photorealistic graphics are the reason that games are taking longer. I just think that that can't be true. It may be true for the occasional game, maybe a team that's moving up to working at graphics at a point that's so far beyond what they were. But then you have weird anomalies like Team Cherry's uh, Hollow Knight Silk Song, which by all means, I don't... Un- don't Hollow Knight's an amazing game. I don't understand how it takes five years to make a sequel to Hollow Knight that is carrying more or less the same visual style and gameplay style. Like what it comes down to is just like Tears of the Kingdom. This game better play so fucking good, and it will. I already know that. And and Tears of the Kingdom doesn't really get as much shit for taking five years because it plays apparently fucking top notch. So I get it. You, but it goes towards your point of if you even if you're going to take this long, stay in the lane and make sure that you can excel to such a crazy degree. Right. I guess it was worth the wait. I kind of lost my train of focus going off on there. So my guess wrapping it back into that point. Graphics just don't matter. I don't think they matter at all. I think I think art style. Yeah. Like there's, there's style. things within graphics that matter, but sure. But you know, I just played Pursuit Force for 15 hours. That game looks like garbage, but yeah, it was it fun. Now, <laughs> now I can't imagine it looked great back then. But <clears throat> as a handheld game uh, in 2005, when that wasn't common, yeah, that that looks incredible. Right, <laughs> but I get enough. your point nonetheless. Yeah, the the reality is though that good looking graphics yeah, it, it helps, but it doesn't make the game. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make it, you know, Spider-Man looks incredible, but I'm only going to be wowed by it 6% of the time I'm playing that game. Mm. You know, I'm going to open it up and be like, wow, New York looks awesome. And then I'm not going to think about it again because I'm like, where's this fucking backpack? You know, that's, that's, that's how video games are. You look at, you look at, okay, this is really cool. This looks great. This is awesome. I don't care anymore. Let's let me just play, you know, because <laughs> gameplay well, and story are the only things that last throughout video games. Like, yes, great graphics are awesome, but Kratos's back hair being seen throughout the entire game is something that just falls to the wayside. So I would say maybe Jedi survivor should look the exact same as fallen order, but play better. And then we'd be happy. Honestly, and it looks better and it plays better. The only thing comes down to again that scope and scale, and as I've long said, there's a there's a there's a market obviously for large games. I just think that there's got to be a way to balance that out. It has to stop being that every AAA game has got to be this very massive, full of stuff to do. Uh, I really think that the the conversation around the value structure of games has helped games in many ways and it's hurt games in weird ways that you wouldn't think about or at least hurt is strong because it it means negative but it's changed games in ways that aren't always positive i should say yeah Um, i I think it just goes back to how we used to judge how good graphics were by how good wrestlers hair looked (laughs) like you know and how how good games were and that's just not we're at a point of diminishing returns I think. Yeah. I just, I I don't know. I'm very curious to see where gaming goes, but you know, I've had a weird, I've had a tenuous relationship with very big games lately. And I got to give Jedi credit for the fact that it is not burning me out, Hmm. but I can clearly see where it's like, but this isn't necessary. And the game is probably better without it, but it's not, it's not hitting me in that like, Ooh, 
like I don't know if I can keep playing this. I'm actually very compelled to play it, um, and I'm curious to see where it goes. But uh, it, it definitely sparked a conversation in my head about definitely when it borrows so many mechanics from so many things. Like it mm-hmm. feels like it, it feels like other games in a lot of ways. It feels great. Like you know, there's parts where I'm like, this is Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, and that's awesome like that's not a complaint at all <laughs> it's just it, it's just very interesting to see but i didn't intend to get stuck on that for too long so you know what i got a question to break all this up and it comes from kuno guy uh as you may know the uh anime origin story villain of the trophy competition uh he asked what game do you most regret trading in or selling and why there are so many answers to that question for me it's like I, I think it's the why starts to bring in like different candidates mm-hmm. because like my first thought process and apparently the game's price is uh, leveled back down incredibly. But for a while there, it was apparently very ridiculous in price. Uh, the amazing Spider-Man two for PS4. It was a very early um, PS4 game and it was right before um, Activision lost the license to spider-man so it was like kind of short printed and then it got pulled from the digital store and last time i looked like two or three years ago the game was like going for like a hundred dollars two hundred dollars uh and i looked earlier today and it's back to like 40 or 50 dollars which is pretty good considering it's a you know kind of old game that wasn't very highly rated uh but since it's back to being somewhat reasonable, I think this goes down to like a time you've regretted trading something in because you didn't have the means to get it back. So has that like have you had that interaction or is there some other game that kind of comes to mind? For me, as someone who now collects games and has bought a lot of the games I already owned, um, that's really kind of where I'm at with it. You know, something like Lollipop Chainsaw, which I had. And now I'd have to spend $80 to get, you know, that kills me. But like, I used to own every Pokemon game, you know, and not to put monetary value on it because I don't think that's really my point. I don't you know, buy my games to sell them. I buy them because I like having the collection. And yeah, I have some that I'm like, yeah, Trails of Zillal, never going to play that, but it was 70 bucks and I got it for 50. That's dope, you know, but knowing you should that play Zillia, by the way. Not Tales of Zillia. Tale of Zill All. Wait, what? Yeah. Now I got to know what the hell you're talking about. I think it has like a five on Metacritic. But um, to continue while you look that up, (laughs) I I think it's just something where like I I had all this stuff that I traded for pennies on the dollar. And it's just one of those things where... You know, when you're not someone who grew up in a ton of money, and even if you were, you know, your parents may not have bought you everything you wanted. So you're like, listen, I got to go to GameStop and trade in this stack of games. I think I've told the story of how I used to trade in my Xbox for a PlayStation and my PlayStation for an Xbox months on end to the point where my mom was just like, just just buy them both. Stop doing this. I keep having to drive you to GameStop with all this shit in my car. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you're right. But... You know, there's no reason. The the reason back then was I can't play the new stuff unless I trade in the old stuff. And now as a a 30-year-old, it's like I had all this shit, (laughs) you know? 100%. That to me is the biggest one. If it was a game, you know, some of my favorites of all time, like 
my original Fallout 3, I have Fallout 3, but for no other reason than that's the, the copy of the game I loved. Or I still remember going to Best Buy and spending my money on Fallout 3 and Gears of War 3, you know, on the same day. And yeah, it's it, for me, it's a lot of memory stuff because yeah. as an adult, I've purchased everything I wanted outside of fucking Lollipop Chainsaw. But it's it's just a lot of the nostalgia of you know that was my 360 or that was my copy of Left 4 Dead 2 that now is probably in a you know landfill somewhere so kind of like you it comes down to a memory and the fact that they're out of reach now so a couple games come to mind um Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2 for PS2 is a game that, of course, had a trade to be able to go and continue to buy other things to play because we were very poor. So games didn't come easily to us. Uh, so anytime I got something, it was like, you got to try and sell it while it's worth about as much as you're going to get out mm-hmm. of it so that you can try and get the next thing. Uh, that game, if you try to buy it right now, is around $70. That's more than it was on store shelves the day it came out. Fantastic game, and I think it's actually come out on PS4 now to where you can play it. But, you know, if you actually want to have the disc from a collector standpoint, um, it's, it's $30 for the PS4 version. But, dude, fantastic game. I love it. Mm-hmm. So Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 1, also fantastic game. Uh, other game that comes to mind on the flip side of that is a game much like your Lollipop Chainsaw. It's also by... Uh, grasshopper manufacturer is uh back when ea was really putting out some interesting games shadows of the damned another game great, that if you want to buy it right game. now it's like 80 dollars to fucking yep. buy and it kills me i, I want to see if i can try and find a copy of that for cheaper i've been looking to scour um ebay because that game is amazing it's super cool it's like dead space meets resident evil 4 meets Dante's Inferno. It's like a really fucking weird game, and it's incredible. So um, I, I really want to get that back, and that's a game that I regret because I had it, and it's just one of those things where you trade it, and you look at it now, and it's like, I have plenty of money, and there's really no reason that $80 is, should stop me from buying anything. Yep. But it feels dumb to spend $80 on something I already owned that I got used for $20 I think I actually got that game for free as part of a buy two get one free at GameStop because I got it while I worked at GameStop. <laughs> so it's even more stupid. I got a free game that I'd have to spend eighty dollars to get now. So yeah, um, that's back in there. Quick, just to clarify, <laughs> I sent yeah, you the ahead. link, but the game is actually called Trinity Souls of Zill All, and it's on Amazon for one hundred and forty one dollars now. So I got real lucky with that one. Oh, I remember you sending this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have no intention of playing it, but it's something cool I have on my shelf that now I feel uncomfortable playing it because it's worth so much money. <laughs> kind of like how I refuse <laughs> to open my uh, Persona 5 Royal vinyl. Like, I won't do it. <laughs> you know, my uh, my Cyberpunk 2077 Collector's Edition is still in the box that it shipped in, in my closet. <laughs> like and I have an Amazon box? <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yes. It, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, you know, there we are. Uh, moving along, we got a quick community's take. As you know, the community's take for last week, or at least the episode last week, was us talking about kind of doing a prediction as well as reactions to what happened during the PlayStation Showcase, the long-awaited PlayStation Showcase. And so we took to you, 
if you're new to the show, you may not know the community's take is where something we talked about in the last episode or something that we think about that we want to hear your feedback on. We'll give out. Uh, we'll do it on social media. Give you a chance to respond with your thoughts so we can hear differing side, you know, differing viewpoints. Give you a chance to push back on stuff that you may agree or not agree with us on or what have you. So we asked after a 600 plus day wait, the PlayStation Showcase has come and gone. What did you think of the showcase? Favorite part of the show? Uh, first, quick and easy one. Matthew Green, patron, says, think I would have been happier if they gave remote play to Vita rather than release the Q-Lite. Agreed. Both. Why not both? Why not release <laughs> the Q-Lite and then also be like, hey, you know, we love the Vita, so if you have Vita, here's an update for the Vita with PS5 remote play. There's no reason, actually, to the point where if you have a modded Vita, you can remote play PS5, just to let you know. Thanks for letting me know. You can, you can go figure that out and have fun. Uh, the rest of these answers are really going to range from showing how people really liked it, uh, how some people felt middling on it and liked aspects of it, didn't like other aspects, and how some people just felt mostly let down. And I really chose the ones that I think highlighted that in different ways. So first thing, we're going to start positive light. Uh, Velvet Thunder, one of our longtime listeners, patrons now, he says, I thought it was great. There's a lot of discourse around it being a bad show, but that's only because it was so diverse. Rather than have all the games appeal to just one specific kind of player, they had a little something for everyone. I was personally excited for Spidey and Alan Wake, etc., but I've seen a lot of people who were most excited about the indies. So kind of a more middling viewpoint. We've got another longtime listener, longtime patron, Rudez93. He says, so it was a good show. And if it was called a state of play, it would have been a great show. But when you call it a showcase and you haven't had one for over two years, the expectations are much higher. Mulling it over for a couple of weeks now, I don't even blame insiders for hyping it up because on paper, this should have been a great show. You had four first-party games shown, three being new IP, a strong Square Enix and Capcom presence, return of classic IP like Dragon's Dogma and Metagross Solid, and an abundance of great-looking indies. But the trailers, especially the first-party ones in Metagross Solid, showed us hardly anything. It literally could have been just a little title card of the games, and that's it. Before this showcase, if you asked... Would we have a pretty good idea for what PlayStation's Phase 2 would be? In my opinion, the answer would have been a resounding yes. But now, even after the showcase, we have even more questions than answers. This is a good breaking point. Chris, I think it's fair to say a lot of this is even even Velvet and even and Brood Days, even though they're kind of different, I think a lot of this kind of mirrors what we talked about. Mm-hmm. It was a... And I've really come to find the best way to describe it, and I think we said it in the episode, but... It was a great showcase. It was a bad PlayStation showcase. It's good and we get we get to a really good answer there. Uh, and this is probably the most negative, at least. I don't want to say negative. It's the most critical. And I think that's important because this comes from someone, uh, TTDog666, who's a patron, longtime listener. Um, and he's usually an Xbox gamer. But if you hear his response, I think there's a really interesting point here that is a good highlight. He says, I found it incredibly disappointing. Take out Dragon's Dogma 2, the Metagross Solid remake, and Spider-Man and put them in a state of play and it could have just easily been a PlayStation blog post. After 600 days of hiring, of hearing so little about upcoming first-party titles, this was a golden opportunity, more so after the appalling Redfall launch. What could have been used to show off some great titles was just a damp squib. 
far too much CGI content, live service titles, and sadly, games still being held back with PS4 versions. I wasn't expecting much, and I delivered on that. I really wanted to see games that would make me happy to own a console that I'm using more and more, whereas the only change in my mindset was that I'm more interested in Spider-Man than I was before. And the key to that is someone who is usually an Xbox player who has found themselves playing PS more and more and more lately doesn't feel like they left this with a stronger idea of, cool, as I'm finding myself playing this more, here's what I can anticipate to draw me more and more into it. Um, We got one Mm -hmm. more, Chris, but do you have any thoughts you want to interject with before I get to it? Yeah, there's one thing I want to kind of hone in on and i think it was rude days let me just double check um yeah so there's one thing i want to focus on which i've I've said already sorry people and i've seen this online it's not just him who talk about we're seeing phase two right oh yes yeah i know no there's not one person from sony who said that not one Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem where we look at insiders and we take their word as gospel. And it's like I said on the show, this was a, last week, this was a disappointing show or showcase. It was an incredible state of play. But Sony told you what you were going to see. You were going to yeah, see. I, I agree with you. Third party games, yeah. indies. And a couple first parties. They said it. It's in the blog post. Jim Ryan says we're seeing stuff from our partners. Mm-hmm. Like, the only reason I feel like we're talking about phase two is because fucking Jeff Grubb said it. Jeff Grubb used yeah. those words. Jim Ryan never used them. The PlayStation blog never used them. Herman Hulse never used them. The janitor at Sony never used them. It, yeah. It's just we took these words as gossip, as gospel. Just like, even look at our predictions. Right, mm-hmm. our prediction. I've predicted fucking two Castlevania games. <laughs> like <laughs> you did, and that was off the word of insiders talking about. So, co- co- uh, Sony has signed a deal with Konami to blah 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 blah, and then Metal Gear Solid is not even exclusive. Whatever, don't care about that. Great, glad more people can play it. But I think a big problem with the online space is. People like Tom Henderson, who is very reliable. People like Grubb, who is reliable. Very reliable. Mm-hmm. They they are the tastemakers of the industry. Of they're the tastemakers of the industry's expectations. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get exactly what you mean. Now, so, I'll tell you, I get where you're coming from, and I think a lot of people are that. But as someone who also, and you're right, in that. PlayStation never used those words, and if in PlayStation even said what was going to be at the showcase. Uh, but to both of those points, I think that all that happened with the insiders is they say, hey, we're going into phase two of PlayStation. And you think about everything that's come out for PlayStation 5 uh, and the fact that we're three years in and everything that they showed in the very early days has now come to fruition. That includes Horizon Forbidden West, God of War, uh, Deathloop. Um, they're, you know the Bethesda exclusives they had. Um, I don't know why I can't think of the name of the other one right now. Ghostwire Tokyo. So we've seen all the games that were recent that were originally being talked about, Ratchet and Clank, and all these things. They have now come out, and the only thing that they've talked about in the past that we have any real idea on that they have 
that has not come out is realistically Spider-Man. Wolverine was announced, but very cryptically. So we're kind of in that point where I think a lot of people were like, three years ago, we had a good idea of almost everything that we saw this year or in these past three years. And now here we are in that same period where we should be hearing about the next two to three years and we don't have much to go off of. And so then you go and look at your thing about Sony told you what's going on. I think it's reasonable to go, okay, yeah, Sony did say all of these things and they're what they said is true. Everything that they said was not a lie, but you can critique what they announced within mm-hmm. how they said it. Did they say that there's going to be some updates on first-party titles or we're, we're going to show you what some of our first-party is doing? Absolutely. Is mm-hmm. it completely reasonable to criticize and go, okay, I didn't think that meant that we were going to get gameplay on one title we already knew and then fuck all on three other titles that we hardly know anything about now. Yeah. I'll give... I'll give um, I can't even remember the name of the game because it's such a weird Concord. name of the game, but Haven's Game. Um, it is... Haven's Game probably got the most... Its CGI trailer probably told you the most about what was going to happen there. I don't know why I can't think of the name. It's something it's, game. I can't. Fair Games. Fair Games. Well, um, it's Fair Game dollar sign. Yeah. Let's make sure we're clear. <laughs> so, yeah. Of all of the three that didn't really get much, at least the CGI trailer gave you an idea of what it was. Um you know, so it's it's mm-hmm. very interesting where they are, and you can look at okay third party partners, but what's the value of seeing Metal Gear Solid remake? And just that's a real question for my. This is my worldview coming into this, and I'm very aware of that. But I've criticized games being announced too early often, mm-hmm. and I don't know the value of showing me Metal Gear Solid three remake with that. I, I got nothing out of that. And now you've had what you could have done in there is show me <clears throat> gameplay, show me work in project, uh, work in progress footage. Instead, you put that out there, and now you're having to hit to the the news thing and being like, "Oh, we're not changing, we're not, we're using the same voice acting files from the original game. We're not recording new ones. Oh, Kojima's not involved at all. Oh, well, this is the developer who's helping us, but the rest is being done at Konami. And Eesh. oh." We're not going to change the game in any meaningful way. It's just going to, you know, we're just going to keep the same structure and change the gameplay. Those are all things that you could have told me in the reveal trailer. You could have put who the developer was. You could have put Konami and Virtuos. You could have shown me that this, you could have shown me a small section of a level that is iconic from Metagross Solid 3, of which there are many, and you see it, and you look, and it's just a few seconds. You go, oh shit, that's the exact same section. Just looks cool as shit now. Mm -hmm. There you go. You could have Put the, I mean, the, the Kojima one, I understand there's probably not a lot of ways around. People are going to think it was Kojima regardless. But, you know, that's kind of where you are. It's like they answered a bunch of questions after. You, you could have had David Hayter's snake say something and people have been like, oh, shit. Like, that's the original dialogue. They didn't change anything. Like, you could have answered all those questions and set expectations with this trailer that you instead decided to have be snake standing up in a fucking bog after you see a bird and shit flying. It, it's just a. I think it's fair to critique what we got, even if it matches what PlayStation said we were going to get, because oh, I, it didn't meet it didn't meet plenty of people's reasonable expectations. That's where I will leave that. See, I guess but you are right about a lot of people getting hyped like you know i think there is a big difference between what your um predictions were and what mine were i think you really fell more into what people were saying if you look at a lot of my predictions mine were just 
here we are. We're at this point in the phase in the life cycle of PS3. If they're going to solve PlayStation 3 backwards compatibility, this would be a good venue to show it at. And I just kind of spitballed on my idea of how it might be happening. And then mm-hmm. factions. Any reasonable person would have been expected to see factions here. And now we learn that it's not. Okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll kind of deal with that. But, you know, I think a lot of people's expectations and hype were also built off of themselves. Just yeah. reading what PlayStation has traditionally done. And I don't think PlayStation really did that same thing here. To Velvet's point, great showcase. Bunch of cool shit looking games. But to uh, TT Dog's point, at the end of all of that, most of those games are not things I can only play on PlayStation. I didn't really get a good sense of, okay, your PlayStation, Summer Game Fest is a week from now. I get to see what I'm going to play elsewhere. Show me what I can play on PlayStation. Show me why I bought a PlayStation and why that was a good idea. That's what PlayStation's job is to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't think that they really nailed that. So it's a tale of two showcases. I mean, you can play all those games on PlayStation, dog. Like you can, you can. It's absolutely you can. I don't disagree with either person. I think the problem is when you look at, and I'm picking on Grub, but it's just because he's the one who made that comment, and I apparently left. He he literally says Sony itself is saving its own. This is a direct quote. Is saving its mm-hmm. own actual good stuff for something else, which is happening here. They're saving their good stuff for PlayStation Showcase that's going to happen before E3. It's supposed to ha- it was supposed to happen last fall, but they kept pushing it back because their developers weren't ready. Those developers are ready. They should have a massive show that should set up the second phase of PS5. So you mm-hmm. can look at this showcase as in two ways, right? You can look at it as a bad showcase that if this is the next... Uh, phase two of PS5, I'm going to kill myself. Or you can look at what he says while inhaling just bucket loads of copium and be like, clearly they have, <laughs> clearly they have something else. And yeah. if you listen to those same tastemakers, something else is coming. Right? So for all we know, they're obligated to do this kind of the same way that they were probably obligated to do something with, with Silent Hill. They didn't get it because, as Grub is saying, whether it's true or not, the developers weren't ready. So Konami went, fuck it, we're doing it on our own. You know, fine, I'll do it myself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, if we go too much farther, you get into a very easy setup of going into this weird space where you can try and, like you said, copium, you can try and find a reason. Yeah, there are rumors coming out and saying that there's going to be more showcases. There are rumors coming out and saying that Sony hid things because of the Activision merger, which I don't even fucking know why they would at this point. The reason the Activision merger did not go through has nothing to do with PlayStation and it Mm. had everything to do with the cloud market of which Sony has a very small presence in. So I think copium is the right word. People are grasping for something that they understand and can tie to um, but at the end of the day, we're not going to understand the decision-making processes behind this. What I can say is that as someone who looked towards a showcase and what it was in the past and what they have been in the past, and even showcases replacing E3 uh, mm-hmm. showcases, which is what they used to be, right? That used to be the time of the year where Sony would be like, this is why you bought a PlayStation. And then they would show me that. And I just think that while I can play every one of those games, they showed me a lot of great games I can play on PlayStation that I can play elsewhere. And I will play them on PlayStation if I play them anywhere, realistically. But I wanted to see the things that I could play only there. Quick quick gut check for you, right? Okay. I want to hear your answer to this. 
Which one of those games is on Game Pass Day One? Uh, which which games? Don't indies? Any of the games shown at that showcase? Which one shown? is Game Pass Day One? I would say Fair I have games. a feeling that. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the uh, the MLB organization is like, listen, guys. <laughs> Haven's like, listen, we're not going to let you have the license if you don't put it on Xbox. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if the MLB started just being like, listen, PlayStation, we're not going to let you keep the MLB license if you don't put Haven's game on Xbox. <laughs> what a world that Rob would be. Rob Manfred's uh, a huge Xbox fan. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, the the um, damn it, I can't think of the name of it right now. But the one that was like the storybook where it popped out, I, I could see that being a Game Pass day yeah. one, where it was like the the little two D to three D RPG, which looks yeah, really. I, cute, I, 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 I can't remember the name, really but I know what you're talking about. Look, my last comment. I can see Talos. Just, I can see Talos Principle being day one uh, Game Pass as well. Actually, I think PS Plus. Um, I think the th- I would I'd, that would be so sick. I hope so. Yeah. But I also want to buy the game to support them, so I don't know. I'm torn. Do both. Go ahead. Um, the the last thing I'll say is I think again the showcase was fine. It was a better state of play than it was a showcase. I think there will be more because there obviously has to be more. They have a bunch of studios who haven't said anything. The mm. there was a bunch of great games here, and there were not the games that people expected. You know, that's all. That's all there is to it. It, it just, I guess, it, and I'm not trying to be rude to anyone. I think it just depends on how, you know, willing you are to just kind of accept what happens. You know, yeah. And when you look at it and just go, okay, fine. You know, you look Speech, at it. Like, speaking of accepting what play. happens, Chris. Yeah. What am I accepting? I think that I think that you can accept that it's time to move into the news. Yeah, most likely. We had one. We had one more, but I don't think it, we've talked plenty about it. Uh, Jehudi, I love you, buddy. I, I read your thing. I see where you're coming from. Uh, but we're gonna go ahead and move into the news just to give a, sh- a little change of pace. And speaking of PS Plus, as you were, Chris, June's PS Plus monthly titles have been revealed, and they are none other than NBA 2K23, Jurassic World Evolution 2, and Trek to Yomi. Now, remember, these are the essential monthly games. So these are available for essential, extra, and premium tiers. The games for the premium and extra tiers are usually announced about two weeks from now for what's going to hit this month. So we'll still see what's going to be joined in on there. But for now, those are the titles you will be able to play the first Tuesday of the month, uh, which is coming up. So, Brett, can I use this opportunity to do something I haven't done on the show yet? Oh, what have you not done? If you are in our Discord and our, you don't have to be participating in our Platinum competition, but in our Discord, which you can join at the link below, I have now that the PS Plus games are up, I've put up the monthly game vote for what game gets you bonus points. Um, if you want to go in there, you want to vote, it's Diablo 4, Street Fighter 6, Final Fantasy 16. Trek to Yomi, Jurassic World Evolution 2, and I put Amnesia the Bunker because nobody's going to platinum NBA 2K23. Bold of you. I'll platinum it despite you. <laughs> no, you fucking won't. The <laughs> I, hardcore I won't. players don't even platinum that game. <laughs> no, I, I won't. I promise you I won't. Uh, yeah, Diablo 3, Chris? Really? Yeah, it was bad. And I, you can't, I can't edit <laughs> holes, so it sucks. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, yes, 
please come ha- come you know if you're part of it come vote if you're not still come vote just to fuck with everybody who's playing by giving them a game that's impossible to platinum <laughs> that how about everybody coming and vote for nba 2k23 <laughs> dude that has to be what happened last month because 2k drive who i didn't even know people liked that game it was just one of the fill out the list and then it wins yeah a real cinderella story right Currently, uh, Diablo 4 and Final Fantasy 16 are tied with five votes each Ooh. or four votes each. I'm curious to see which one pulls ahead. But for now, PlayStation's annual Days of Play sales event is starting June 2nd and lasts for one week, as it always does, offering customers 25% off of all 12-month PS Plus subscriptions. So that's whether you want to grab a year worth of essential extra premium you can smack up for a little bit less money. Um this year, it seems to be expanding. I don't think this happened last year, uh, but it's expanding into PS Direct for mm-hmm. deals on physical goods and accessories and PS Gear Store uh, for deals on PS branded merch. And of course, loads of PlayStation Store discounts if you, for some reason, thought that wasn't going to be on there. But it's pretty cool seeing uh, the merch hit on here. I don't, I feel like I remember hardware last year, but I do not remember the gear store getting discounts. So this is a cool thing because there's a lot of really nice IP shirts that I would love to get, but you know, get them a little cheaper helps because when you buy clothes online, you inevitably get shirts and shit that just don't fit. <laughs> it kills <True>. me. It's <laughs> very true. I mean, this slick ass hollow Knight shirt that I'm wearing mm, sexy fits shirt. perfectly and it's very comfortable and soft. And yeah, one of the greatest things I've, I've bought. Very nice. Fantastic. Next piece of news is where we get into a little bit more of the interesting stuff. So the Q mm. light that PlayStation confirmed last week is once again hitting the rumor mill. The battery life for the still somewhat mysterious device is claimed to be just three to four hours, leading to some disappointment as the streaming only nature seems to lead potential customers to expect more from the device. As always, take it with a grain of salt until proven. But considering the rumors around this device up till now have proven true across the board it seems a reasonable bet that this continues to be one of sony's worst kept secrets um which is pretty interesting because they they don't get a lot of game leaks necessarily but man this bad boy right here all their hardware is leaked (laughs) i don't know what's going on but it's just where we are um did um did you see that thing going around that they didn't even show the final design of it and the final design is significantly better (laughs) I have not, but I don't think that's the case. I don't think Sony would have shown a picture at all had it not been the, the final design. I mean, to be fair, they didn't even name it. They said something we've been calling Project Q. <laughs> Again, I think that the only reason that it even got announced there is because the cat was out of the bag and Sony just felt like, fuck it, we'll just say it's true. But if they're saying it releases this year, they, they've almost got to have a name in store for it. Um I'm almost curious if it's going to be dual sense something um, because they're wanting to do that. But this leads me into a conversation I want to have around this in that we were talking, you know, Blake came into the discord was talking about the device and that he didn't realize that some of the things, and we started talking about price and usability and functionality. And we got to the reasonable question that someone would lead to when they're looking at this, who is this device for? And I think the best way for me, like if I was looking at this and I'd think to myself, what would make me buy this? Sony has not said that it can't do this, so there's no reason to think it can't, but there's also no reason to think it will. I think the when I look at how this device could be for me, 
do you remember back when, for a very short-lived stint, uh, Sony had second screen functionality in the PS app on phones to where for select games you could open uh, the second screen on your phone and it would let you see shit like the game's map or your inventory system or whatever it be? Yes. I think what would be the coolest thing here, and I'm a little curious if this device will have a touchscreen because if it's just for streaming, the PlayStation 5 does not have a touchscreen. So there'd be no reason to interact with it in that way unless this is booting up into an OS that you have to tell it to go to remote play, which would not seem to be the case. You think it would boot directly into hit to connect. Um, But if this had a touchscreen, I would really like to see this be a controller. If it has all the dual senses functionality Mm. and it has a screen, the one thing I actually loved about the Wii U and by a somewhat similar extension, the 3DS and the DS was that the second screen in between your palms was always used for extra information. So I would tell anyone the preferred way to play any of the old Zelda games uh, from the 64, you know, the that they did on um, 3DS, those are the ideal ways to play it because it gets all the cluttery UI and it moves it down and you can look at your inventory. In the Pokemon games, you can look at your Pokemon and different information without having to pause the game. And I would love if they made this basically a Wii U controller. And when you can you can hook it up, and then games can be like we recognize he's using that, so we'll send the inventory or something to the bottom screen so that you have that information, and maybe that's a way that you can clear the UI off of the screen. Or it it depends on what the use is, but I would love to see it be used for second screen functionality. That would be great, but I feel like I feel like what you're asking for is the. 2024 version of the card system <laughs> the card you know? system I'm, oh, I'm, um, exactly you don't even know what it is because no one yeah, uses it <laughs> yeah you're talking about well I, no one calls it to be fair no one calls it the card the but card system is called. a good idea in practice but yes uh, I've, I've not used it a ton some games use it better than others and that comes into the big problem getting developers to use it that's the, my only point is that who's going to use that uh, Sony yeah. Santa Monica, but then the game you want to use it on like monster hunter won't do it. So what's the point? You know, if I could yeah, adjust my does. attache case in there, that would be dope. They're not, Dude, they're that's not what I'm saying. That. <laughs> Capcom might to be fair. Capcom True, have a really Capcom. strong relationship with Sony. I get your point though, but yes, that's just, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Could you imagine playing uh, Spider-Man two and being able to look at being able to upgrade shit and move stuff around, and if there's gear or change your suit on the fly at the bottom, that's cool. I think it's a really good use. Being able to change your attaché case in, in in The Last of Us when you open your backpack in The Last of Us Part One and The Last of Us Two when you open the backpack, it sends a thing out and you see the ingredients and stuff in your backpack, but the game is still up there because in those games when you go into your backpack, the game isn't paused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, you know what I'm saying. I don't think you're wrong. I just don't. I think the biggest problem is just no one's going to use it. Yeah, that's the problem with all of PlayStation ideas is that they don't force anyone to use them usually, mm-hmm. and so they get left by the wayside because developers are like, "Okay, touchpad's a cool idea, but I don't feel like having to figure out how to use it, so fuck it." Yeah, I mean, I think the coolest thing that this thing could do is if I plug it into the PlayStation, I can use it as a controller, and like I could be like, "Oh, oh it I'm, absolutely." I'm looking at the screen, and then I eh, just feel like looking down. This is, you know. You're getting into a fight Which, Call of Duty and you look down. Again, exact same thing that the Wii U did. You could just stream the entire game to the Wii U's gamepad 
and go lay in bed. And you can be like, yeah, I'm going to keep playing, but just I'm going to lay in my bed and keep playing. And imagine if you don't, <coughs> if you really use the Wi-Fi Direct in your house, it should be easy to use because it should be connecting directly to the PlayStation, not having to leave internet. It's just using the signal that your PlayStation 5 already puts out. I think it's a potentially great idea. I get really concerned about what happens to it once you leave. But we have a question that comes from Yuna. And they say, do you guys think with the Q light being rumored three to four hours being appropriate for the machine due to this only being a streaming machine and meant for maybe like if you're in bed before falling asleep, which is kind of like what I'm talking about here. Um, how do you view this battery life, man? And, and kind of in terms of viability of the product, because my first thought that came to mind is three to four hours doesn't sound like much, but really think about your phone which you're meant to have and play on and, or, you know what I mean? You're supposed to be able to use it all day long, but think about the screen being on this battery life is talking about how long this thing's lasting while you're playing it, while you're interacting with it, the screens on, do you know that most phones only get about six hours of screen time and -hmm. your phone does way more. So I don't really know that four hours is really that bad because I'm pretty sure most people's Switch will play Tears of the Kingdom for only about three hours in handheld yeah. mode. Maybe maybe four if you're lucky. I, so what's the difference? It sounds bad, but in reality, it's not that different than anything no. else. That's the thing I was kind of thinking. Is like on paper, three to four hours sounds like shit, but like I think if you're using this thing for more than three to four hours, you're using it wrong. Personally, because I, well, the way I I play games is like my dual sense has never run out of battery, except on this trip. I've run out of batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, my switch has never run out of battery. My phone has never run out of battery. All of those things have low battery thing. You're supposed to use these things on the go and then put them away. And this especially just the nature of it. No 3G as far as we know. It's it's a it's a, it's a device for when you know your daughter wants to watch fucking I don't know build a bear, whatever on TV, and you want to play God of War. That's what the device is for. Whether that's worth know it to that, you, I don't. Uh, it's definitely part of what it's for, but because we don't know enough about it, I don't know if that's actually what it's for. Like they haven't really started marketing it, so it's hard to tell. Like. How much is do they really expect this to be something that you'll play on the go? I, it, you can't. How can you play it on the go? That's my question. And the thing is, like, well, I know. Will it have 5G connectiv- connectivity? Hopefully not through AT&T. Um, <laughs> I just don't. I don't understand what logic there is to. Yeah, you can play this on the bus. No, you fucking can't. You can't. And it's a, it's a streaming device. You can't. You can't. Yeah. And the thing is, I think that with phones already, because at least where I live, anytime that you're in a very crowded area where everyone's on their phones, mm-hmm. bandwidth falls to shit. You can't get anything to no. load anyway. Dude, you I've can have tried. full five bars of 5G and you'd be like, well, I can't fucking get anything to load because yeah. everyone else around me is doing the same thing. I've tried to, like, I've been at work and been like, I wonder if this download is almost done. And I've popped into remote play and just checking that screen is a nightmare. And the thing that's going to piss everyone off, and I'd be willing to put money on this, they're going to show this device off with someone playing Destiny on the bus. And it's not possible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm glad that they're not really showing anything just yet. 
because I don't think they're going to want to redo the Vita's mistakes of trying to pretend that you can play, uh, you can continue to just go and play your MLB on the road, like uh, walking down the street <laughs> online with people using right. 3G and shit. You know, the, there was a lot of missteps there, but I think this is interesting. I just think that the conversation around battery life. The only thing is, is that they're choosing to be very, at least whoever's leaking this, is giving the the more probably accurate window. But if you look, the Switch claims to have a four and a half to nine hour battery life. I've played a Switch. I've never gotten anywhere close to nine hours. Not even remotely. Yeah, but I mean, not even remotely have I gotten close to that. So point being is that that's not the real battery life that you're going to get out of it. So... Who knows? I don't really know if this impacts anything. If this is like what people are saying, like it's meant to be around the house, if that's what it really is for, three to four hours is is way longer than anyone would even need, realistically. So, I don't know. But, Chris, moving along, unless you have something you want to add to there, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart joins the rest of PlayStation's PC output as Insomniac announced that they are working with Nixus to bring the title to Steam after more than two years of exclusivity on PS5. Expected to hit Steam's digital storefront on July 26th and support ultra-wide and with ultra-wide screen support and more. Um, This seems inevitable. So two years, as we keep hearing about, even what Jim Ron was saying lately, uh, it doesn't seem like they're working to really bring games to PC quicker, necessarily. Aren't they? Well, didn't the showcase kind of contradict what he said? You you said the showcase? Yeah. Wasn't How so? The showcase didn't talk about PC at all. I'm fairly sure that Fair Games was announced for PC and PS5. I didn't. I, I could be wrong. That. Okay, then I'm I'm, I'm 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 positive actually, but if you want to double check me, I'll I'll check. Will, uh, just because I I had thought it was, but yeah, I'll I'll eat crow if it comes down to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, this doesn't seem too surprising. I mean, like two years is still better. I think the quickest one they've done is The Last of Us Part One, but that's just a remake of a game that already. I can kind of see why it has a gray area, but uh, yeah, the natural conversation around this, of course, is about how. I was 100% right. It, it did get announced for PC? The play, the title on the PlayStation's YouTube is Fair Game CGI to Reveal Trailer PS5 and PC. Uh, okay, can you at least do the extra due diligence of looking at the trailer and seeing if it actually says that? Or is that PlayStation's it's official? PlayStation's official account. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, if you would have let me finish, you would have gotten to the point where you could have well, said, said yes, that, that in my first second, <laughs> motherfucker. No, I'm just joking with you. Yeah, no. I mean, I'll look at the end, but I'm fairly positive. No, I mean, if if play, if it's a PlayStation official video, there's no reason not to think it wouldn't be that. But I'm wondering if that's because they originally anticipated it to be for PC and it's already been being developed or if they intend to go. You might have some validation on your original fact that you thought that Factions was going to hit PC and PS5 day one. The trailer, for the record, does not even announce PlayStation. <laughs> it doesn't so announce anything. It, 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 I have to take it from the title, which says PS5 and PC. Okay, fair enough. But as you continue, um, I'm going to look up one more thing. Well, the next thing is probably the biggest piece of news to come out this entire week. Probably the most important thing to happen this entire year. Concord um, also PS5 and PC. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Hot Wheels. 
is looking to <laughs> unleash on consoles once again. As it was announced, the Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 turbocharged will be coming this October with new vehicle types such as monster trucks and motorcycles, new environments with new terrain types, vehicular combat and maneuvering that looks like Motorstorm and Rocket League had a one-night stand, new event types, and more. Watch the trailer if that sounds even remotely good to you. It's incredible. It's just as good as the original trailer for the first Hot Wheels Unleashed. Uh, man, the developer just... They they make almost exclusively racing games already, and yeah. they're just so good. Uh, but this goes back to that conversation. I was, I'm so glad that racing games, besides Gran Turismo for some fucking reason, still have reasonable de- development times. And this goes into the, one of the weird things that crossed my head about the Star Wars Jedi Survivor thing I was talking about. <clears throat> racing games still get made on a two-year schedule almost consistently mm-hmm. across the industry. Need for Speed, two years. Uh, Forza Horizon, two years. Most of the time, Forza, two years. And Forza Horizon and Need for Speed have big open worlds. So why can those games come in two years, but yours can't? And I think it's because you're letting people spend more time on trying to figure out this story and making sure it's really hitting this specific way. And But I don't know, because Need for Speed games also look incredible every single time they come out. They look great. I, uh, racing games are an enigma in the industry is all I'm trying to get out here. I don't understand <laughs> it. I, I think the reality is there's not that much work to do on racing games. I know that sounds really bad, and it's not the way I said it. It's not what I mean. But they have to. They can take Hot Wheels Unleashed 1, tweak it, make it a little bit better, and then all they have to work on is new tracks. I don't play racing games very often. Okay, but look back up. Each one of these racing games continues to graphically look better than the previous one. So it comes in, all right, it's pushing the graphical boundary just like these other games are. Sure. They're taking the foundations of mechanics from the previous game, just like Jedi Survivor was, and building upon them to make an even more interesting game, right? Just like that game did. They're building an entirely new city, for you to drive around in and have events in with different terrain types and all these things, just like Jedi Survivor and all these other big worlds are. And it's doing all of that in a two-year window. While still most of the time, it depends on the game. Forza doesn't really have a story for Forza Horizon. Need for Speed always has a story. It's not an important... It, it's the Zelda of stories where it's just there <laughs> as a rig. They're good enough for you to be like, okay, that's cool. Give you a reason, this kind is, of thing. This is my motivation to keep doing the thing. Yeah. But the motivation is really just the games feel phenomenal. You know, it's like. So, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna sit over here and continue to wonder to myself how the hell racing games have been more or less immune. Like Gran Turismo, there. I love Gran Turismo and they're great games. I don't understand how the fuck Gran Turismo takes five years to make a game. If I'm being dead honest with you, uh, but I'm also wondering that about fucking. Jedi Survivor and God of War and Horizon <laughs> Forbidden West. Uh, not talking about the value of those games at all or, the, or a judgment on their quality. I just don't get it. Because we're I don't obsessed get it with all. graphics. But how? <laughs> how? I don't know. Gran Turismo 7 looks better than Gran Turismo Sport. Okay. Horizon Forbidden West looks better than Horizon Zero Dawn. I get it. Where does the rest of that development come from? I'm confused, man. I, yeah, I don't get it, but... Oh. 
Well, you know what? Moving on to different news. Very interesting news in this current day and age. Alan Wake 2 will not join modern games in sporting a $70 price point as Remedy confirmed that the title will be a $60 release with the caveat that it will be a digital-only release. As Remedy state that the choice to forego physical releases has enabled them to keep that price point lower. Uh they, alongside this, announced DLC plans for the game and an $80 deluxe edition, which includes access to all the DLC when they release. No disc, though. No disc. So, <laughs> this can't be disc lock content. We know that much. <laughs> yeah, facts. <laughs> There's no disc to lock the content to. Um, I am torn on this. I have long talked about my my worries and my complaints with the state of a digital market. Um, my worries about how digital games uh, potentially interact with you know, game preservation or at least allowing people to play a game in perpetuity. Uh, like some of the great benefits of PlayStation 5 allowing you to play games like Assassin's Creed, um, Unity, one of the very divisive games, if you play the game from disc and don't allow the system to update, you can get an unlocked frame rate. And all the problems the game had day one are, guess what? Not there. You can play at 60 frames per second, even without PlayStation 5 having an enhanced backwards compatibility. So all that to say, um, I think there's a lot of reasons as to why releasing this on disc would still be good. I, of course, understand and appreciate that they're saying like, hey, we save money by doing a digital release. Therefore, we're not going to charge the 70 because we're saving money by not going to a disc. But this just kind of highlights what I've already felt like. There's no reason that the digital market should not already be $10 cheaper on everything. If I'm just being honest, you don't have a middleman. You're not having to cut your profit. Uh, you're not having to produce anything physically. There's no reason why the draw for digital should be physical versions of the game. We'll, we'll continue to put out, but they're $70. And if you buy any of our games digitally, they're $60 or whatever have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts here? You're much... I, I have... I wouldn't say reluctantly because clearly I'm doing it, but I've become more digital as we continue to game share. Yeah. Um, but I really am a big fan of physical games and I still have like 80 physical games. Mm-hmm. So what are your, what are your thoughts here? Um, uh, I think the thing for me with physical, with digital games is it's convenience. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I regret every day that I have MLB on disc. That's why I haven't played Octopath Traveler because I also have that on disc, and I play more MLB than I'll ever than I play Octopath. So at this point, I just don't get up and put it in my console. Um, I think I'm of two minds of this. I think this is actually first world problems. A hundred percent. You know what that? You know what though? I would buy that detachable disc drive if it'll allow me to have two games on my console. That would be cool. Now, do you mean like have a disc PS5 yeah. and then also mm-hmm. put a second one in so you can just go, hey, you can play this disc or this one? Yeah, like those eight-player DVD uh, CD players from when we were kids. <laughs> like those. Um, what if someone made a PS5 with a six-disc changer? That would be sick. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in terms of this, I'm of two minds. I don't, I don't dislike. I don't dislike this. I think this is actually kind of dope. Um, yeah, I don't really see the issue here. It, you know, it, no one's upset that 
you know, something like Ori in the Blind Forest is digital only. I'm sure there's a disc release somewhere, but there's the absolutely most- someone who's upset about that. Just to throw that out there. Sure. It's just, there- it's, are they upset at a scale to where it makes sense to financially and business wise respond? I guess the, to the that? thing I mean is there are a plethora of digital only titles. So at a certain point, it's like, why are we upset about this one? Um, I think the fact that they're giving that money back to the consumer instead of just keeping it for themselves is a great thing. I think there's an argument that maybe it should be forty nine ninety nine if you're going to cut the disc out. Um, I'm not going to make that argument, but you know it's possible. I, I just I think if I can't see an issue with this. I'm sure there will be a limited run games edition in five years that you can buy. Um, but in in the end, I firmly believe that we're not going to have to deal with, you know, the issues we dealt with, with stuff like Spider-Man in the PS3 era. You know, I don't think that's a thing. And I think again, backwards compatibility being introduced means that these games are going to be there. They're going to be there. And I'm not, so you don't think we're going to, you don't think we're going to face licensing issues. You, I, I can't say for sure, but you'd have to imagine that these, developers and publishers have become wise to the fact that they need to rectify that. Let me tell you this. I am all with you. Licensing doesn't even have to change at all. You know, it has to change to mm. not have to worry about licensing because it's, it's a really a big ask to continue to ask a publisher or a developer or whoever to continue to pay licensing costs on something that they don't make much money off of anymore. If all they're making is like little residuals from the occasional sale, like on steam or something, uh, kind of like what's happening right now with uh, strong bads, uh, game for attractive people or whatever, where telltale is having to be like, yeah, we're, we've lost the license to this game. So as of this date, you won't be able to buy it anymore. Um, the point being is the reason that discs are a great they're a great fix to the problem of licensing is that the disc will always exist in perpetuity mm-hmm. so long I mean, you know eventually they'll degrade but they exist far longer than the license and because of that you can still pick up games that you can't find digitally like Amazing Spider-Man 2 like the Amazing Spider-Man like um, the one that you were going to take um, Shattered Dimensions um, Shattered Dimensions yeah uh, so point being if you change digital rights, you have the answer. You don't have to try and find a way to elongate or pressure companies into giving you longer license or spending the money for perpetuity. All you got to do is say, all right, well, once we decide that the license is dead, it won't matter because the market will still allow that game to be played and shared in perpetuity because if you actually own the game digitally, you should be able to sell it, lend it, do whatever you want to. And I come back to that. I know that's really something I've beat into the ground like a dead horse, but I think it is the answer to everything. Actually allow me to own my digital things. Don't allow me to rent a license for as long as you see fit for me to be able to use it. Well, but even... I don't even know that I... First off, I don't see any viable way to allow you to sell or trade your digital games. I don't see why. One hundred percent, super easy. You just it, it, just like you do with everything else. You put a serial number to it, and you just go. This is the number that's attached to this. Every single device you have has a MAC address. Okay, let let me let me let me ch- change my wording. I see no Good. viable way for a publisher to want to allow you to buy or sell or trade from other people's digital items. 
Okay. They don't want you to do that from physical items, but you can still do it. Sure. We're not talking about what but, we're talking about what should be right as a consumer right. If you're owning and buying something. Now the flip side to that is that everyone who's buying digital is doing so, whether they overtly understand or not, with the fact that there is no promise that you actually own it. Yeah. Look, I But you should. If you want to do away with discs because of the problems they introduce and the fact that you have to manufacture them, okay, give me the same rights that I get with disc for digital. And then you fix game preservation. You fix the fact that there are people who, right now, if, if, um, if Spider-Man 2 comes out and it's digital only, and 20 years from now, 15 years from now, I mean, look, when did, uh, when did Shadow Dimensions come out? 08? Probably, oh, like, yeah. 09? So we're talking about a game that's like almost 15 years old, Right. If you've never played that game and that game only released digitally on PlayStation 3, you would not be able to play it. You just wouldn't. If the only way that you could play it is if you had the foresight to buy it when it was on there. So a 13-year-old game. Mm-hmm. Do you, so do you get what I mean, though? Then you yeah. can't even play the game. from a. The, you know how crazy it would be if my child couldn't play Mario? If I, and I, play, <laughs> I don't even like Mario. But I can tell my daughter, hey, let's go play Mario. And I can find it. And I can put it in. And yeah, Mario's a bad example because I can play that on a modern system. But my point being is if you make all games that, where you can only play them if you have the foresight, and it will only hit licensed games. I I do understand that. But that's a good example. A lot of games are licensed or feature licensed things that become problematic. Like whenever they had to change music in um, Quantum Break. Yeah. I guess here's my take. And you're more than welcome to think it's a bad take, but it is my take. Um, I I don't think that matters. Awful take. I no. I it, it's the same niche we were just hey, talking about. Don't tell me I'm fine to think it's a bad take, and then when I say it's a bad take, it <laughs> doesn't mean I'm not going to argue the take. This is a podcast, after all. <laughs> go ahead. Um, go ahead. My my point is that how many people do you think right now, other than me, are trying to play Shadow Dimensions? Uh, I think you'd be surprised. Sure, but that number probably is not even one percent. Now people. you want to know you you want to know the secret the secret to all of this sure uh, the thing that companies hate to talk about which exists because of shit like what's going on right now mm-hmm. uh, emulation and yeah. illegal copies of games are the fix to this that is the illegal way that you that no one wants you to do but it's the only actual solve to this but that- if you do away with disc the only way you're gonna be able to do it is if people dump their digital versions which are probably not even gonna be able to happen actually in hindsight because it's, it's a digital version i don't even know that you can dump digital versions of games i assume you can because from what i understand you can download uh online downloaded games from psp if you had it modded and stuff so there must be a way but yeah you just and in- you just encourage people to uh, act you know illegally Look, For the, the sake end, of making sure people can continue playing. I don't think you have the right to something because you want it. I think that's just the reality. Oh, that okay. doesn't yeah. That doesn't mean that I don't have a problem with emulating. You, I will not say on this podcast, but you know that I don't have a problem with emulation. I have zero problem with emulation. And technically the law doesn't either, so long as you own the game and dumped it to your computer that you're emulating on. So but I'll if you don't own f- even even, even if you own the game, if you download if you from someone else, it's still illegal. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if you don't own it. But yeah. I don't think that you have the right to an easy way to play a game 
because you want it. So I think, yes, I think if you bought the best way to ensure that you're secure in the future of playing these games is to buy them. Difference. I'm sorry. You're saying an easy way. I'm not even saying it's easy. I'm not saying that someone 10 years from now who wants to play Shadow Dimension is going to have an easy time finding a PlayStation 3 that works in a copy of that disc. But it is a way in the future that you propose, if licensing still remains an issue, there will be no way for someone to play a game that they did not, that they weren't alive for when it came and out. I, and I'm not saying that doesn't in. suck. And that's the problem. I'm not that's saying that doesn't suck. It's not I'm saying not that saying you I, want something easy. So I don't it's, it's dislike just, that. Yeah. But I, I look, this is a niche case, but if we're talking about Shadow Dimensions, you can play it. You can buy a copy on eBay and a, and a, PS, and a PS3. We're, you just yeah, can't we're buy using it on the that store. As, we're using that as reference for what happens in the future when discs aren't being made and games still get made like Shadow Dimensions. What happens when Spider-Man 2, and this is hypothetical, we know Spider-Man 2 will hit disc, but let's say it didn't. And then 15 years from now, someone wanted to play it and Sony lost the license and pulled it from the store. That's the thing. I don't want it to be where someone can't find a way to play the game should they see fit. But again, we can go and ad nauseum here. We're clearly at diamond. We're we're opposing sides here. No, but the thing is, I I agree with you. I'm just saying the reality is that you don't have a right to play something you want to play because you want to play it. If Konami <clears> never <throat> let you play any of the MGS games again and they took it all away like they did with PT, that's well in Konami's rights. It doesn't make it shitty. Yeah, it's incredibly shitty. And if you actually care about gaming in any real sense, and if we actually care about gaming and we want companies to care about gaming because we want it to continue to thrive, then we need to worry about these types of things. We need to actually want there to be answers to all these problems, and we need to want to make sure that games can be played in perpetuity by anyone who sees fit. Not because we have the rights to do so, but because it's the right thing to do for this thing that we consider to be sometimes more than just a hobby for some of us. Yeah, and you're not wrong. And it's also art it's this is cultural yeah. at this point as well my thing is again i'm happy to on triangle squared 2566 when alan way comes off the store to eat crow but i think <laughs> at the current moment i truly don't believe that they'd be making this decision if they were worried about ever losing that license because i think that the way the ps5 and the xbox series x and the entire way the industry is built now with your entire digital library following you for probably forever, that game's not going away. And even if it does, in the next five years, you might want to play Alan Wake and you get it for $2.99. If you miss out, that sucks. And I'm not saying that you there shouldn't have been a way for you to get that. And Remedy shouldn't have fixed that issue. What I am saying is, at what point do we look at it and go, yeah, that sucks. You didn't buy it for 25 years. How are, are you really up in arms about this now? That's the thing is I think the argument is kind of insane that, oh, well, in 30 years, I'm going to want to play Alan Wake 2 again or Alan Wake 2 for well, the first time. It's also incredible to think that it's not insane to think that everyone who might want to interact with something has to. You know how many people are hearing Metallica for the first fucking time today? Do you know how ridiculous it would be to say that they can only listen to Metallica if they fucking were alive when Metallica started and these CDs were on sale? Do you not think that the importance of the Black Album and fucking Injustice for All, that should be an album that can continue to be listened to in perpetuity? You're making my argument for me, Chris. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Again, I came into this knowing (laughs) that I was on the negative side of the argument. 
But yes. as as I feel like has been a constant theme in this, I end up in the nihilistic, realistic, they're going to fuck us over anyway camp more often than not. And that's what's not this a good is. way to live, man. Not well, a good way to live. What do you expect? I'm a fucking depressed 30 year old. This is what happens. <laughs> I can't buy a house, Brett. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris. Moving along to the next thing, and probably the biggest piece of real news, I, as much as it may have been Hot Wheels for me, <laughs> the real big news that people have been talking about uh, in the PlayStation sphere online, The Last of Us's beloved multiplayer component, Factions, has been long awaited by fans since Naughty Dog announced that the mode would be uh, not be shipping with The Last of Us Part Two, but rather had expanded into a larger project that would come down the line. Unfortunately, it seems that factions may still be some ways out of coming at all uh, or coming at all as Bloomberg's Jason Schreier reports that the title has been significantly scaled back as they evaluate its quality and long-term viability. Interestingly, Bungie has seemed to be involved in the project's reassessment as they raised questions about the project's, quote, ability to keep players engaged for a long period of time, end quote. Uh, (laughs) Naughty Dog released a statement around the same time as this report, stating a more PR-friendly take on the same information. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Um... this is interesting. It answers the why did we not see factions. Um, this is really a downside and creates a lot of unfortunate realities. Like, you know, if this was going to be the reality, then maybe factions should have just been included in part two. Um, Probably. But we can't go back and change anything about that. So we kind of live in this thing of uh, does this game eventually see the light of day or what happens? And... So we have a couple of questions about it, but before we get into the questions, is there any kind of immediate statement that you want to make on this? I've heard a little bit around uh, people f- being upset with Bungie about this, and um, Boy. <laughs> that exactly uh, people are upset with Bungie for. saying it won't come, and I would say Bungie are strictly doing a job that they were asked to do. I think I think this is great news. I actually think this is low key incredible news. I don't know okay. about you. Expound. I, I don't think it's inherently bad, and I, I think it's probably better than worse because I've long said that if Factions comes out and it's just more of Factions from The Last of Us 1, it's not going to work as a games as a service. No. It just won't because even though you can still play Factions on The Last of Us 1 and there's still a player base, there's not a player base that's going to support long-term content creation or monetization. It's not no. going to happen. This is a good thing because it shows me that we're not getting a Redfall on PlayStation 5. Ah, yeah, that's a really good point. Or it's a really good way to put it. Is yeah. willing to go, yeah, this shit ain't working. Sorry, Neil. And just kill it. Like, I would take that a thousand times over than having to be on Twitter like, the Redfall's actually really fun. I've played 40 hours and the 30 FPS isn't that bad. Like, I would a thousand percent rather be in the camp of, yeah, it sucks. I wonder what Last, what factions could have been, but I don't get to know. I'd rather this goes so back. Do you think it's dead? Yeah, 100%. They announced a okay. new IP in the same blog post. The game is dead. They're just not going to say it because they've never really talked about it. <laughs> I, th- I think that that might have fl- flown if they hadn't shown it last year during uh, Games Fest, wasn't it Summer Game Fest? Yeah. 
if they had talked about it and shown that thing there and talked about the story and the characters, uh, they didn't do it big, but you know, they kind of hinted at all that. I think they can get away by just going like sweeping it under the rug. And, but I think that they ideally should say if they're not going to do it, they should just say this is canceled. I'm not saying they I, I don't think that they should. I'm, I'm yeah, just, I don't think this should be a baited breath thing, but yes, I get you. You're going off of what you think is actually going to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think if this game ever comes out, it's nothing close to what we think, but again, no, I would that, that just, might be fair. I would rather yeah. have Sony be like, we brought Bungie in because Bungie makes the greatest live service game of all time. I don't particularly like Destiny, but there is no denying its cultural impact, its impact on the games industry. Jesus Christ, its impact on Sony. Sony has changed mm-hmm. its entire model because of Destiny. And then they spent $3.36 million to get the guys who did De- Destiny and then not make billion. their games exclusive. What? Billion. You said million. Okay, billion. Right. To not even get their new games exclusively because they want to make sure that the quality is there. And even if it's Mm -hmm. not the quality of the game, the quality of what they're selling to players being there. And that's what they said. There's no long-term viability here, or we don't see the long-term viability here. For all we Mm -hmm. know, this game comes out and it's naughty dog, Bungie PlayStation on the front screens, because by the time it comes out, Bungie has helped them figure it out. That's part of their job too, I'm sure. But again, I will always take Sony going, this ain't it, Chief, rather than being like, well, you know, we never actually looked at Redfall. We just kind of were like, yeah, we bought Arcane, so this is our big thing. I'm taking this 100% of the time over that. So this is good news. This is incredible news to me. Yeah, just shows me they're committed to the quality. Yeah, I think having to answer for a The Last of Us type of game that comes out, and we're of course talking worst case scenario where it comes out like Redfall, but having to answer why your Last of Us project is at a Metacritic of 50, uh, which it probably wouldn't actually be, but it might. And if it did, no one at Sony (laughs) wants to have to answer that question by saying, well, we just let let Naughty Dog do what Naughty Dog always did, even though they have zero interaction with games Mm -hmm. as a service and And, zero knowledge on how it goes. And that is what it sounds like is going on here, is that Naughty yeah. Dog was like, yeah, we're just doing it our way. And then Bungie was like, you don't know shit about games as a service. Right. And this is actually kind of funny because it goes back to what I was saying about Horizon. Why would you put this out and sully the Last of Us name if it's not going to be a killer product? It's the same thing. Why would you milk that cow? Right? If the milk's not going to be sweet. Exactly. Yeah. If I'm getting fucking strawberry milk out of this cow, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> We're making a strong stance. No strawberry milk on this podcast. Fuck strawberry milk. I agree with you. Fuck strawberry it's disgusting. milk. disgusting. It's pink. That's now, gross. That's the color of Pepto-Bismol. Now, if you start down talking chocolate milk. Who the fuck wait. would down talk chocolate milk? I have been in a hotel for two weeks, and the only thing I've had with my breakfast is chocolate milk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Now, we can get into a big argument about the quality of various chocolate milks. There is bad chocolate milk, but chocolate milk is not, is not inherently bad. There's, so. but there's bad sex, but there's no real bad sex. It's still sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, in the words of the Lonely Island uh, and Akon, doesn't matter how sex. Exactly. Where's my cake? <laughs> so um, I, I think I may have 
pulled you off of where you were going with that. I, if I did, I apologize. Uh, but we do have two questions that kind of play into this that I'm curious to hear your thoughts on as well. Hit them. Right, Not first people, one. But. First one is um, is a little more geared towards this, and the second one's a devious ass question, but we'll get to it in a minute. Uh, first one comes from patron and a longtime listener, really long time, no fate. He says the news about factions is so disappointing and frustrating at the same time. Did you do you see it getting canceled altogether? Which I think Chris has already answered his take on. Um, and then just to rub salt into the wounds here, he says, did you also see the post that Days Gone 2 would have released on PS5 by now if they had continued development? Uh, yes, up, I did see you. that post, and it <laughs> hurt my soul. Don't um, do this to me. <laughs> because the what if of it all, just the, it, it hurt me. It hurt me when, when he posted it, but it, it hurt me in a good way. He didn't but, yeah. That. He could have just uh, not spoken. Sometimes you can put the <laughs> phone down. You know, you don't have to tweet. <laughs> You don't have to say everything that comes to your he, mind. He had taken Ambien right before he posted it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. So, uh, yeah. So going back to the first thing. So, Chris, you see it getting canceled altogether, right? That's I where do. you land on this side of the toy. I think that I'm leaning more toward that, but I can see a version where Sony still looks at this and goes, this is still The Last of Us. The Last of Us is doing big because of the show. Season 2 is still coming. We don't know when The Last of Us 3 is coming. Maybe it's not coming for a long time if they want to take a break from it, uh, if it ever comes at all. So the only potential Last of Us product we have to put out is a game to the service, which could have really great long-term monetization impact so i could see them working and saying like not a dog like we want your quality and your stuff but we also want the games excuse me the games as a service aspect which can make this a success for the type of game it's trying to be let's work together with bungie and rework this thing and maybe it comes out in two years maybe it doesn't but point being i think there's a lot of value in writing the last of us name right now um, I could see this still coming out, but it raises an interesting question to me, and I almost brought this up a second ago. Um, how much do you think that if this does get canceled, it may be a blessing in disguise for Naughty Dog? And my, just to clarify on that, I don't know. It's either a blessing in disguise for Naughty Dog or it's a blessing in disguise for the fans of Naughty Dog. Because I don't really know if we want Naughty Dog having to continuously upkeep a games as a service game. If this game came out and blew up massively successful, Naughty Dog would have to dedicate a certain amount of its studio to keeping this game up with new content, new seasons, and all that. And that only takes away from their potential to do what Naughty Dog does best, which is single-player story-driven games. There's a world where both can happen, but there might be a little silver lining in this where if Naughty Dog is not the team that makes this and maybe they actually go find someone else and go, hey, you use the last of his name, you're a developer that's more in line <clears throat> with this, you make it. And Naughty Dog will just assist you with characters and lore and story like they did with Uncharted, Golden Abyss and stuff like that. That might be the best case scenario. And then that studio can continue to upkeep that game without having to stress Naughty Dog or put anything on them and allow them to keep making what they already make. You know, I feel like Sony has a pretty interesting studio in house for that. Mm-hmm. Who do you think that is? Mm, Valkyrie. Yeah, I could see that. It, it's especially built on like, the bones of what Naughty Dog has already done. 
Yeah. It wouldn't necessarily be that crazy to think that they could just take that and turn it into a live service well, game. But again, it's like it's them or, it's them or Bungie, and the only other one that's doing it is Haven, right? In terms of mm-hmm. building a live service game that Sony now owns. Concord. And, um, well, yeah, but oh yeah, you're right. They do own uh, they do own um, Firewalk. Firewalk. They did buy them, so you have those two. But they're already working on something. So the only studio that you have that we don't currently know anything about is Valkyrie. That mm-hmm. still could walk into this and be like, we have some knowledge of this space and we can interact and work with it. I don't know. I'm curious about that. But I started thinking about what would happen if every single PlayStation Premier Studio, like Sucker Punch, if they put out a version of Ghost of Tsushima Legends that was games as a service and just kept going in perpetuity, what does that do to Sucker Punch's ability to put out the things that people loved about Sony already? I actually think if Sony, and they haven't confirmed this, right, but if Sony's real answer to why they're buying all these studios for games as a service is because they still want their legacy studios to be able to do what they do best and what Sony keeps saying that they're going to continue to do, releasing high-quality story-driven games, I don't really know that I want Sony finding their their games as a service success from studios that are traditionally story-focused. Yeah, but I kind of think that's exactly what they're doing. It might be, and I'm a little worried is a strong word, but I am curious about how that may impact their ability to put out as high a quality single player content. It's not that it's impossible. It's just a, it, it's a curious stressor on all the studios, well, but all the studios are apparently also two team studios now. But my hope would have been if games are taking five years to make then every studio, if you have two teams and you get them releasing at the right cadence, then every studio could release a game roughly every two and a half years. But let's say Sucker Punch does become a live service studio, which is not going to happen. They're making Ghost of Tsushima 2. Um, sure. I think you kind of buttress that by knowing that Insomniac has 87 teams full of wizards who can make a game in a year and it'd be a game of the year contender. So, you know, I think it's just the way that Sony structures their studios. Not really what's happening, but I, I get, I get your Are outside you sure? looking in. <laughs> I mean, t- no, I should call Ted price. I don't have his number, but I can probably figure it out. With enough dedication. 1-800 Lord of the rings. My name is Gandalf. <laughs> um, no, obviously there's not literal magicians there, but I think, you could you could buttress yourself with this studio is really good at this and they're capable of making multiple of what people expect from us. Um, but my theory is just that Firewalk and Haven and studios like that are purchased for the specific reason of making live service games. You know, mm-hmm. why else? And then it's great. Like, you don't take Naughty Dog and have them do a live service game because they clearly can't hack that. Um, Sucker Punch doesn't need to do it. Gorilla, maybe should go back to doing it, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so to me, it's just maybe these studios are being bought for that purchase. And again, as I was right about, MLB is considered one of these live service games, and it is a live service game. So, you know, that's one studio that you don't have to worry about. You know, when their Uncharted game comes out in four years, like it'll be cool, but. It'll kind of answer your question of can you do both, and I think the answer is yes. And yeah, maybe. To I'm kind not of saying it's your, impossible, but to yeah. kind of go to your point, if if Naughty, let's say Naughty Dog and Factions was super successful, mm-hmm. 
the game would be bringing in enough revenue where they could hire the people to do specifically factions. Well, you think that, but they, okay, hiring they should be spot, able to. <laughs> you would hope that they do that. But, you know, the, the concern that you always look at is when something does come out and is massively, massively successful, you start turning more things towards that. And uh, I think it's clear to say Activision almost entirely forsook any other interest they had in gaming to make sure that they could buttress Call of Duty. Which, yeah. from a from a pure money making standpoint, you understand how you reach that point. Uh, but it's like you know, for me, outside looking in, I don't want that to be the way Sony does it. It'd be like, oh shit, the Last of Us factions really blew the fuck up, guys. I just, we're gonna need you to stop. Uh, you know what, Sucker Punch, you're you're just a, you're a support studio for Naughty Dog now. You're <laughs> you're gonna support <laughs> helping bring content to factions, and I'm not saying that would happen. But the point being is. Uh, the extreme example is that it would be an Activision-like situation, which I don't think is ideal um, for the strength of the industry long-term either, realistically. I think you get burnout from making every single team. You know, you get people who want creative you know, ability to stretch their creative muscles and stuff, and by turning teams that weren't that into that, you can create a lot of, um, what do they call it? Um, for lack of a better word right now, you can create friction that makes people want to leave, and then you just have people falling away at the wayside. And do you really want to lose talent just by being like, yeah, I really need you to do this thing. I know that we told you that this studio could just make original projects, but we just really can't do that anymore. We need you to make maps for Call of Duty Modern Warfare. <laughs> like It's yeah. just, you know, attrition, I guess, was the word I was kind of thinking of. Um, but yeah, so we have a second question here. And it's from Rude Days 93. And then we're going to kind of wrap the show up with the rest of the questions in uh, Velvet's Corner. Rude Days 93, patron, longtime listener. He says, you're Jim Ryan, and Naughty Dog Studio head walks in and says, either you get rid of Bungie or Naughty Dog Studio leaves PlayStation Studios. Who who are you keeping and who's packing their bags? For even more fun, whoever leaves gets a call from Phil Spencer, and now they're an Xbox studio. And Phil says, golly shucks, guys, you can keep releasing games on PS5, but it's really just a lie, and now none of Naughty Dog's or Bungie's games are coming to PlayStation. Choose wisely. Naughty Dog. This is a devious-ass question, because you just said so yourself. (laughs) <laughs> really think about this Sony spent billions mm-hmm. to get Bungie and then completely changed their next five year forecast of how they want their games to come out and how they want their market to to be split between their traditional games and this and I don't know if you saw the thing but there's going to be a 60-40 split <clears throat> with 40 being single player so if more than half of your first party output is going to be games as a service studios then you have the question of if I'm Jim Ryan and I'm looking at what PlayStation's plan that we've put in place is and what we've invested, whether or not it's what I would want as a gamer or an individual, you keep Bungie. Yeah, that's where I was originally going. Um, I guess it kind of depends because the question kind of ignores the reality of Bungie clearly wouldn't go with Microsoft if they had to be no, first No, well, of course, but we're talking about a what if. And also, to be fair, Naughty Dog Studios wouldn't leave PlayStation. Right. They would just be like, all of Naughty Dog will, will just quit. And then what's the value of Naughty Dog with none of the talent that's made it? Like, you can hire a bunch of new people, but you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. 
This is um, clearly a what if. So in this what if scenario where Naughty Dog could just be, can do exactly what Bungie did, which is unprecedented in the industry and be like, hey, yeah, we know that you own us, but we're just going to still be Naughty Dog and go somewhere else. <laughs> I guess the, the answer for me as a gamer and as a Sony person or as Jim Ryan would be Bungie because I think those games last longer. And I think I would take feels weird to say at this point, but I think I would take, you know, destiny Two over the last of us, not because I think destiny two is better than the last of us, but because if I play the last of us for 300 hours, there's something horribly wrong happened, you know, but destiny two takes, you know, 300 hours. We fucking did 150 hours for one trophy. Like, <laughs> I'm shell shocked. It's disgusting. I can't believe I said it. But you you know it, it's it's about how long and I think if I was looking at okay, I can play marathon for the next 10 years or I can play the last of us for the next week I'm taking marathon. Well, that doesn't mean that the last of us is not the better game in a vacuum, but I will enjoy marathon longer than I'll enjoy the last of us. See, I think that's, you know, from a business side, I'm, I'm with you, Bungie, but from a gamer side, Naughty Dog. But that's because I think that there's more value in, you know, because Bungie now is almost entirely bu- uh, Destiny 2. And mm-hmm. I love Destiny. And I've had a lot of good times with <clears throat> Destiny. And I, I'm like, I love hate Destiny. I hate the fact that you're supposed to play it forever. Like, yeah, that's the thing that uh, it, it burns me out on the game. And I've been really trying not to play it so that I can go back and play the final shape and enjoy it because it looks cool. And I do think like, we were talking the other day, like Destiny 2 feels incredible to, to play and shoot with. Like, it's oh, a yeah. great feeling game. Second best shooter of but, all time. But... I'm going to remember and think about The Last of Us and Uncharted and Crash Bandicoot in a very different way. Like, yeah, I only maybe I've only played, you know, 50 hours of Crash Bandicoot in my life between the original games, replaying them and then the, the insane trilogy. But I remember that 50 hours in a very different way and a different kind of fondness than what I get for Destiny 2. And honestly, for my own sensibilities as a gamer, more fondly than Destiny 2. Like Destiny 2 is great and I love it, but they they occupy different states of my situation. For sure. So for me, yeah, because like you, you know, you play Apex and stuff. I get even when I play a game that's meant to be played for a long time, I just burn through it and then I'm done. Like I'm I'm probably not gonna play Tribes of Midgard again because I have the platinum twice. I had a great time playing it both times, but I was feeling burnt out right at the end of this one. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm I've got my fill. I don't need to play this anymore. Yeah. Again, you're you're totally not wrong. Well, I it's just, something like it's it's where you and I differ as gamers. Yeah, you know? it's kind of the same thing as like it's going to sound ridiculous, but I think you understand where I'm coming from. It's like, do you want to have a hundred dollar stake or do you want to invest your money? It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Bungie in this case being the investing your money for me and mm-hmm. Naughty Dog being the let me have the steak real quick. Right. Exactly. Because <laughs> the steak is good now. But you know what? If it's a good enough steak, you'll remember that steak down the line. <laughs> Will you? If it's good enough, yeah. I don't know. I'm a chef. I don't have the same experiences. Then again, you could argue cook. 
<laughs> you could be the you could be the flip side, right? To where like one of my favorite restaurants in town, Ironwood, consistently has a fantastic burger. Never been anything other than fantastic. Like sometimes it's even more fantastic, but at at worst it's fantastic. That sounds crazy, right? Brett, here's what's gonna happen. The next But time- that could be bungee for you, right? Where every time mm-hmm. you go to Destiny, you're having that same fantastic burger. Well, but, see, you know, the, the ridiculous thing. That's the best of both worlds. The ridiculous. <laughs> okay, Selena. The ridiculous uh, thing here. Hey, I know, I know. I, I, I heard it the second I said it. Um, the craziest thing about this for me is I fucking hate Destiny 2. I'd rather kill myself and play that game again. I know. That's so, a crazy thought from you. But, you know, I mean. But I just think. Speak you know, with your heart. Listen. You know, go ahead. I'll take the 300 hours I had. And I would argue, I think. I enjoyed that Nightfall more than I enjoyed the last one. <laughs> oh, uh, the Grandmaster Nightfall was incredible. That Super was fun. so much fun. It, it goes so exactly good. what you were talking about. It wasn't even about the game. It wasn't even about uh, the story or anything happening. It was about pure gameplay. It was 100%. so good. It was hard we, as fuck, but it, it was, was so good. so much fun. And I would go back to Destiny for that if I didn't have to play so much. I hope Sean's not listening because I know that I don't have to play that much. And he's going to like clip that and be like, here you go. We're in. You're doing it. Dude, just 45 hours you can get there. Well, the problem <laughs> if you is buy the season pass. <laughs> there's no light levels anymore, so I can do it now. <laughs> I just don't want to play Destiny. Mm, I feel you. Put All in right. trophies uh, for the final shape, and I'll probably play Destiny. Boy, yeah, it's rough. But yeah, I'm gonna stick with my answer of if I was if I was Jim Ryan and this thing that you set up, it'd be Bungie, just It'd because be Bungie, yeah. so you've you've invested too much into it. You can't go back now. Um, just the reality of what it is. But as a gamer, it'd be Naughty Dog. So we're gonna go up to our final questions, ones that didn't fit in any of the new stuff, and uh, we have one, and then we're gonna go into Velvet's Corner. Judy MD, we may not have gotten to him in the community's take, but we get to him here. He says, "Is there a magic ability that sticks to your mind and is one of your favorites?" Mine is Demi. Uh, first scene for me in Final Fantasy VIII. Other favorites are flare magic in Final Fantasy games. Chris, I'm gonna defer to you first. Do you have a magic ability? I noticed he went very RPG-like, and both of his examples are Final Fantasy. But magic is a broad term. So my choice, I chose to reach into an area that people may not be thinking of. But I'm curious to see where you come from. Um, Because you just got off Bioshock Infinite. And are the plasmids not magic? I was literally about to say, I think it's recency bias, but I'm going Murder of Crows. So Murder of Crows (laughs) is incredible. Love Murder of Crows. I also really like Undertow, and I really like Charge. Shock Jockey's mm-hmm. classic. Um, oh, the fucking Return to Sender. Ten out of ten stuff. Um, yeah, I think it's I crazy. Really you know, we were Crows. talking about we completely just skipped over Infinite and Bioshock in general. But you know, you were talking earlier about being a fantastic, incredible game to play with an incredible story. Bioshock mm-hmm. Infinite is that fucking game. Yeah, and it's an all-time classic. <laughs> It Bioshock, really is. Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite. All all-time classics because their gameplay is phenomenal and their story is phenomenal. Bioshock 2 less so than the other two, but it's still a good game. I still enjoy I, it. Bioshock 2 is my clearly favorite. the it's it, to me it's clearly the worst of the three, but it's it's very good. I think maybe, but neither game. Man. Bioshock what 2 What the hell is 2K Marin made in in, in recent years? Um Bioshock the first one might be have a great twist, but it falls off the hardest out of the three to become a probably bad game by the end. It's my opinion. Bro, did, did 2K Marin go under? 
Probably. No, are they just a support studio? That's crazy. I mean, it says was. Yeah, no, they're closed. Oh, in 2013. Yeah, defunct. That sucks, dude. Rip. Bioshock Two is a great fall. Like considering that you gave it to just an offshoot team, Bioshock Two is a really good game. Still considering everything, that's uh, that's pretty wild. I didn't know they made um, the Bureau XCOM Declassified either. I like that game. Mm, all right. Uh, yeah, mine is not recency bias, but it's a game I adore, and I just remember feeling like this ability was so fucking cool. Uh, my first answer is kind of a cheat answer. We were whenever we were playing Redfall, uh, Donovan and I were talking about how uh, pretty much all of Arcane's games have got a blink-like ability, uh, and there's one for one of the classes in Redfall. Yeah, and uh, so Blink is an incredible one. It just feels so good to be able to just move around the map in just an instant, and I love that. Uh, it, you had a similar ability in um, Death uh, Death Loop, and you had it in Dishonored One, Dishonored Two. You had something not too crazy far from it, if I'm remembering correctly, and Prey, and of course you have it in um, Redfall. But my actual answer is another Dishonored ability, and it's uh, Swarm, or Rat Swarm. And it's I, the reason I love it is because definitely the time for games, um, being able to call an entire swarm of rats to not only kill the enemy, but then eat their bones to where there's no evidence that they were there <laughs> is incredible. That's some good and stuff. it completely changed. Like, you know, you can do that. And you know how most of the time, if you kill an enemy and go back into hiding, <clears throat> the body will alert. There's no mm-hmm. body, baby. There ain't no body. <laughs> there ain't no and body, I also baby. really loved how it interacted with the gameplay because I don't know if you remember um, and Dishonored. The more chaotic your gameplay, like the darker the world got in the ending, if you had enough chaos in your world, it changed what happened in the ending of the game. Um, I love that. So I love being able, like, if you're using the rats, you're going like super chaotic and how it impacts mm-hmm. the game. It's just a cool ability, too. Just like Mario Crows is a fucking incredible ability. ability. I got to get, yeah. they do the same thing. The crows eat the people and they're all gone. I know. <laughs> That's why I'm like, both <laughs> of them stuff. are super cool for the same reason. Yeah. I got to get back to my uh, platinum run of Dishonored. I was getting close. Was it you that you never played Dishonored 2? Or did you start it? I've never played Dishonored 2. Oh, oh, dude, you got to play it. It's so good. <laughs> I'll, I'll give oh, it a it's shot. so good. There's, I, oh, dude, there's iconic shit in that game. It's so cool. We'll have to talk about it if you ever get around to it. But Absolutely. Thank you, Jehudi, for the question. We appreciate it. If you want to join Jehudi in, in giving us questions to answer, remember to go over to our social media at Triangle SQRD on Twitter. Find us in the Facebook group, Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. And, of course, the way that you can usually reach us and have more time for day-to-day is Dishonored. Dishonored. Discord. I'm, I'm too <laughs> focused on Dishonored. You can go to the Discord, which is linked in the description below. And uh, join that so you can join us for our day-to-day talks. Uh, Chris gave you a stern finger, so remember what that means. Yes. Okay. Uh, um, but I do have something quick. Doing a lot of doing a lot of community updates. So mm-hmm. it's it's been a minute since we've updated this, but I think recently we both had some big hitters come out. So I we think I will have did. to update the Metacritic draft. So seems <clears throat> fair today. Um, Street Fighter 6 and Diablo 4 both got their reviews. Um, I have, again, proven to be the the review savant between the two of us, as Street Fighter 6 has hit a 92. 
And although I will give you credit, Brett, you hit exactly what you said, <laughs> Metacritic. You hit exactly what you said Diablo 4 was going to hit. So Diablo 4 is an 88. Um, I think the only other update to this that we've had since the last time was Tears of the Kingdom on my list, which was a 95. A great pick um, going against your highest, Brett, which is a 93. A couple interesting facts. You have more 80s than I do, but I have significantly more 90s than you do. I have Tears of the Kingdom, uh, Metroid Prime, and Street Fighter Six. You have Resident Evil 4. You were close on Dead Space. Dead Space is an 89. I was so close on Dead Space, but well, I think Final Fantasy 16 is going to prove to be a winner. Just throwing well, that I, out there. I would not be shocked if you tied me on Zelda with uh, Final Fantasy 16. That is a hot take, but I think I'm, I would not I be think surprised. it'll be in the 90s. That's my biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the last couple updates, Brett, you are out of bench. You are out of bench picks. You have picked uh, Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty. That is interestingly two pieces of DLC on our lists. I had Destiny Lightfall, which was a stinker. Sure um, you also have Armored Core 6 and Immortals of Avium. My bench still has one more pick. I took Alan Wake 2, which is confirmed for October 12th, and Metroid Prime Remastered. So the scores as of now, I am at 75 total points, and Brett, you are at 64. I need, uh, I need that Final Fantasy to come in and really pull me up. I don't know how averages work, but I'm pretty sure it's over already. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's over too. But I will tell you, there's a, if you get a couple of zeros, which I don't think is going to happen outside of uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, mm-hmm. if you get a couple of zeros, I can make a return. You can. Stellar Blade I still is not think up you might show. have Stellar it. Stellar Blade might be brutal. Stellar Blade might be your brutal pick as well. Uh, I noticed that you don't have your Jedi Survivor score on here. Oh, shit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Okay, I'll have to update. So Jedi Survivor is at an 85 is your high score. The PS5 one's 85. All right. Damn. Sorry about that. That's that is, is going to pull your uh, average down, I would imagine. It may not be enough to be a point, but it is a lower score. It's going to counteract a little bit of that 90 action right there, okay? Okay? <laughs> okay? Um, yeah, dude, if... Uh, it's going to be pretty nasty if 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 rebirth. We also haven't seen anything about Lies of P, but I'm up to Summer 76. Game Pass is right around the corner, uh, and Stellar Blade could be at, at one of those as well. Yeah. So just throwing that out there at the next showcase. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah, dude. If you get a if you get a few zeros here, it's going to be pretty interesting to see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just to clear up, I am now at a 76. Thank you for that. Cool. Yeah, no problem. Bang bang! All right, bang it a bang. I like watch this weekend in my head competitions, <laughs> dude. That would be so brutal because I took that strictly because it was interesting. I wanted to make the list a little weird, so I went with that one. I'm gonna tell you right now, though, Immortals of Avium. I, I, I'm bullish on that game, but it's the same kind of bullish that got me into trouble with Redfall and got me into trouble with Forspoken. So I'm even though I took it, I'm very aware that this may end up being one of those. Below seventy, bite me in the ass games, but I fucking hope not. I'll give you some for credit. both the competition and the game because I think the game looks cool. It does look? I, that's the thing. I give you some credit because I think Avium looks better than either of those games ever did. Personally. I actually agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. You've got like an eighty-two on your hands there. You, do you know it's crazy? Hmm. 
Forspoken's DLC has reviewed higher than Forspoken, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Luminous is being turned into a DLC studio. So yeah, um, Intanto We Trust is what it's called. And let me see if it's actually got a Metacritic thing. Yeah, I know that people have been talking about it. But it is higher. It's a 69. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's brutal. You wanna you wanna take the Tantum score instead of your first broken <laughs> score? I'll give it to you. You don't you do what you feel is best. I just thought that was interesting to note. No, that's very funny. Almost everyone I've heard talk about it has said it's better than the main game. That's brutal. <laughs> did um did we count Sons of the Forest as a zero for you? Because it, I I have not yet, it. but I'm almost I'm almost positive it's gonna be a zero. Uh, a, please don't until the end of the I year. Won't. I won't, but but yes, I'm almost positive it's not going to hit full release by the end of the year. That's why I fucking hate early access. I should have known because the first game did it, but since they kept pushing the day, I was like, they're going to be crazy bastards and release it full stop day one. No, they weren't. Brett, all I can say is you got to do better next year. (laughs) I'm a bulldog. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Barking uh, up the wrong trees. Um, Velvet's Corner, baby. Velvet's Corner. So to wrap all this up, it is time for the one, the only, Velvet's Corner. Velvet's Corner. Now remember, if this is not your bag, baby, you can bounce out right here. It's why we have all the you know timestamps and whatnot that I'm sure Chris totally maybe forgot. Ha- yeah, I hadn't been doing. That's kind of what I thought. Uh, <laughs> you know what? This has been a weird day. We kind of shook things up. It's fun. Uh, but yeah, it's why we have timestamps. I will work on those. So, if we don't, you know, if this isn't your bag, we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us. Uh, consider becoming a patron if you're new to the show. If you are new to the show, though, I at least in, implore you to stay around and see what this is about. This is a ridiculous part of the show where Velvet Thunder, one of our patrons, continues to give us ridiculous questions. And this came from the fact that he kept doing this before we gave him his own segment. Mm-hmm. And it just it felt right to give him a segment. So we've had a few couple of weird weeks because of the showcases and time limits and stuff going on. So we're back, baby. And the the saga continues uh, from a few episodes back. So as you may remember, we had to use our favorite gaming memory to pull us back to present day. (laughs) It was the only way. And so Velvet says, upon returning to the present day, our hosts discover they were sacked from their jobs for not turning up for work in about 10 months. Sounds all right. (laughs) <laughs> desperate for cash the only work they can find is as dancers in an all-male video game themed strip club they must each choose a video game character to dress as during the show the sexier the better which is exactly what you'd expect from ah oh, you son of a bitch mouse my mouse is dying so I couldn't hit the button oh my mouse died well that's gonna be interesting look that's the exact that's what Chris heard in his ear when I was creating that before the show that one yep, day. Yep, that that's a fact. And I heard um, Chris laugh. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd just slide into the camera frame and go, Velvet's Corner. <laughs> and I immediately leave. And Chris is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Good times. All right, Chris, as always, I'm deferring to you first. Sexy male video game theme strip club. The sexier, the better. Who are you choosing? I've got I the perfect to, answer for this, by the way. I just want you to know I've got the I have, perfect answer. I have the perfect answer because I have to deal with certain realities. 
right? So my answer is E Honda. <laughs> e Honda? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is that? You don't know who E Honda is? <laughs> is it from Street Fighter? It's from Street Fighter. Oh, yeah. that guy! I yeah. did not know that was his name. It was him or Bob from Tekken, but. I like you a little bit. If you didn't realize from the fact that Street Fighter Six did not even register to me as a game that might be a good idea to pick for the Metacritic, <laughs> I don't follow fighting games that closely. Yeah, I've not been a huge Street Fighter person. I don't think I've ever actually played a Street Fighter for more than just like at a friend's house to fight him for a second, or like when we were kids and my dad had it on Genesis. I didn't understand what the fuck I was doing. I've never played it seriously. So, no, I did not know that this guy's name was Edward Honda. I, I know his name's Edmund Honda, but Edwards just sounds better. I like Edwards. Because Honda. as I look at him, he looks like if you gave him shimmering skin whenever he walks into the sunlight, that he could be, say it. Say sexy. it. Exactly. Sexy <laughs> A sexy vampire. Um, okay. E. Honda. So he is sexy by nature of the fact that he's scantily clad, correct? Yeah, look at that big bodied man smother me all day. Listen, he, what's not for what's nothing. crazy about what I'm seeing? I just want to throw this out there. This man looks like he has a gut and a six pack on top of the gut. It's the most it's correct. it's amazing. My man is eating chicken wings and pounding down brewskis mm-hmm. and has a six pack on top. Up your game, boys. Up your game. <laughs> Can't do it like me. Um, I would just like to say. Chris, what you packing of, over uh, there, man? <laughs> listen. You got a six pack? 8.5. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, after the show, look up the 100 hand slap and then you'll understand why the ladies love E Honda. Oh, I actually think I know what you're talking about, surprisingly enough. Look but yes, for any other listener who may not palms. know. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just smack it a <laughs> Yeah, that's me. E-Honda. That's what I'm going to be Where for his Halloween. arm looks like it tears off. <laughs> Hell yeah, it does. <laughs> it looks like he's a necromorph. <laughs> <Just fucking laughs> casting his arm away as his little claws are about to come out. Could you imagine a Street Fighter Six Dead Space remake crossover? I wish that would happen. You know what's surprising? Uh, is it, we're getting as MK1. you may remember, Isaac Clark was playable in PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. I just want yeah. you to know that we're getting it was Mortal DLC Kombat with 1 Zeus with uh, guest characters Homelander. like announced. You gotta think like Leon Redfield. Give me a little bit of Isaac Clark action. You know, I mean. Isaac Clark versus Scorpion. That seems not too far away from what he's used to. I mean, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> I'm into it. Okay, are you ready for my super secret sexy? It's it's funny because it's also a fighting game character. Oh, hell yeah. From the few fighting games I actually have a lot of experience with. Have you ever played Soul Calibur? I have. Do you know my man Voldo? I don't. Valdo's the guy who like leans over backwards and has like Edward Scissorhands going for him. Oh yeah, yeah, where you can he can drop him. He's like a gimp, dude, and he can like he can like back bridge over and and walk on his feet and like walk on his hand blades and shit. Oh my god! First of all, super dude, super flexible, (laughs) already scantily clad, ass cheeks already out. 
I don't even got to do like perfect, right? But here's the thing about being sexy. Sexy is not all about the looks. You know what else is sexy, Chris? What? Danger. Oh, danger. Danger. The element of danger that draws you to that, you know? You better hope I'm good with these knives, baby girl. My my boy Valdo has got those sexy, dangerous bladed tips. You don't know what he could do with those. Mm-hmm. You have no clue. He's got depending on action. the depending on which game that you're pulling from. He's got spikes all over his thing, right? He's got spikes that all over his leg place and stuff. I'm telling you, my guy here is the epitome. He is. He is. <laughs> I always called him the the Ed, Edward Scissorhands became a gimp. That's like that's what he looks like to me. Like he was just like, fuck it. I got all these scars on my face. Let me just cover that shit. Put on a you know ball gag. Have my ass hanging out. Make sure that these scissors are just right on full blades. Scientifically speaking, this is the sexiest male character to be in a strip club. Okay. I'm still sticking with E Honda, but I like the answer. You know what? Fair. Could I just be just Bayonetta? For, just a <laughs> gender bent bayonetta. Yeah. Look, Soul Calibur Four. Uh, Valdo had nipple spikes. Oh God! And he had spikes on his eyes, and he still had the ball gag thing going. I'm just throwing it out there. Valdo is is a classic answer. Do with that what you will. But. For the fun of just having like a really weird, vague side character, the doctor from The Last of Us One at the end would be such a hilarious <laughs> character. <laughs> Walk out there in the fucking mask and the hat and the thing. You don't even know who the fuck I am. And then... Someone comes in and shoots you in the face. <laughs> and then, like six or seven years later... Mm. You find out that I'm actually an incredibly important character. I'm so important. <laughs> That's so. What's going to happen? You're going to see me strip, and you're going to be like, you know what? Okay, me or whatever. And then seven years later, you can be like, holy shit, that was the sexiest thing I'd ever seen. I'm just now realizing it. Yeah, it's going to hit you in the face it. of a golf club. <laughs> Get some back shots in a cabin, um. <laughs> or on a boat, <laughs> or on a boat. Either way. <laughs> Come on a boat, bitch. <laughs> oh, when The Last of Us 2 inevitably inevitably makes it to a PC, I hope someone does a mod to where it's just Abby and <laughs> the I can't even think of his name right now. Um Chase. Great I character. Don't know. I mean it's not Chase. Up. I wish I wish that I could uh, Owen. Owen. Uh, Abby cool. and Owen. And everybody, and it's just them doing boats and hoes, or mm-hmm. I'm on a boat from the Lonely Island. How about a mashup of the two? I know. Lots of strokes in that game. What? Yes. <laughs> yes. Lots. Indeed. Yes. Yes, indeedy. Indubitably. Okay. Uh, that wraps up one. Uh, Velvet's <laughs> Corner. All right, now you're going to have to witness as I remote desktop into my desktop from my laptop so that I can control it. This is next level tech here, guys. I just want you all to know when you're dealing with Triangle Squared, this is where your Patreon money goes to a (laughs) seven-year-old mouse 
that dies apparently an hour after being off, two hours after being off the thing. Uh, but you know what? That's okay. Chris, thank you for joining right. me. If you want to support the show with more than just your time, which we are always so grateful for, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Give as little as a dollar per month. We appreciate it. Helps us do things like keep the show airing without having to dig into our own pockets deal with any equipment costs that may come around to us. And it also just fills us with pride and joy and sense of uh, purpose as we go through our day, knowing that you lovely people have trusted us with your hard-earned money to give you some kind of value, uh, which speaks very loud. So to each and every one of you, we appreciate you. And a way that we show that appreciation is all of our patrons until the list is maybe one day gets too big to make it feasible. We give them a shout out at the end of every episode uh, for making this show possible. So without further ado, Chris, thank you for joining me. I will see you next week. Are you still in Austin next week? I am in Austin until the 14th, my dude. That is what I thought. Best of luck to you. (laughs) I appreciate it. All right, guys, until next week, shout out to our patrons, Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Stingray X, It's a Sin to Win, Sean Easton, Aztec King, Legion 69, The Lord Corgi, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Brood Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Christopher, Danny Villalobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, Sean Sanderud. Thanks to each and every one of you. I'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.